Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and uh, welcome to uh, this post game, the rundown with me and Jeff. We are recording after the Knicks blew probably the dumbest game of the year. I know people were like, the Cavs game and that fucking game and this game. I don't even think it's close. This is the most ridiculous loss they've had this year, and hopefully, will be the most ridiculous loss they have all year. Uh, they lost 116 113 to the Kevin Durant list, Bradley Beal list. Ted Cruzless, uh, Phoenix Suns, um, 116-113 again in regulation. Devin Booker hits a game winner with about 1.7 seconds left. Um, I'm just going to get this out of this out of the way. I thought Randall was awful for the first two quarters. thought he played a really good third quarter when he got the ball and he scored a lot. And then I thought down the stretch he was atrocious again. Um, he did not get a call that he should have gotten at one point in the fourth quarter. I think that was... At 107-111, he definitely got fouled on the layup attempt. Um, but anybody defending this guy, all right, let me just say this. Like, he is supposed to be an all-NBA player, okay? <laughs> he is 28 years old. He's the fucking leader of the team. He himself has said the injury is no longer affecting him. He feels better. He's getting his legs under him. Everything is good. And, oh, he's shooting better. I want to read you some numbers, okay? I want to read some fucking numbers off for people. Here are some fucking numbers for you. For the people that are like, oh, Randall is playing so much better. Coming into tonight's game, over the last 10 games, okay? Last 10 games, 22 points, 9.7 rebounds, 5.5 assists, great. 3.4 turnovers, and here are shooting splits. 42.3, 28.369. Are you fucking kidding me? That's good? That's good. That is literally him playing at 2021-22 level Randall, and he's playing terrible defense over that same stretch. Why are we doing this? Can we like if you love Julius Randall, expect more from him. Fucking expect more from a player we've seen give more. We've seen him play better. We have seen him play better on both ends of the floor. We've seen him. You know how I know he can fucking play better than he did in the first half today? I'll tell you exactly why. Because I watched the third fucking quarter. Because I watched the third fucking quarter. That's why I know that. Are you fucking kidding me right now? This is not a, This is not an example of like, oh, well, he's just missing shots. I'll tell you what, I had zero problem. He took a three, right, in the fourth quarter off a Mitchell Robinson offensive rebound. That was a great shot. I had zero problem with that shot. It is not about making or missing shots. It is about decision-making, and it is about effort. And if you want a clear example of how little a championship-winning coach thought of Julius Randle's defense today, go back and watch the third quarter. And go back and see specifically what they did to get Devin Booker going. Go back and watch that. All they did was put Randall in the pick and roll and absolutely shredded the Knicks. And they were in constant rotation every time they did that. Because the entire team had to send fucking help and scramble and crash off the weak side shooters because Randall won't show up high enough to fucking cut off the drive. And he just gives up the pocket pass. His positioning is awful. This is a consistent issue with him throughout his career. Which is why, in addition to Julius Randall, hello, Tom Thibodeau. You are allowed to make an adjustment here. If you don't want, if you think, like Julius Randle, this is a fact. He is a bad pick-and-roll defender unless you let him switch. If he switches, he can be a pretty good pick-and-roll defender, actually. It's, and it's probably the most engaged version of Julius Randle you're going to get defensively. Instead, you have him keep playing this drop that is terrible and that just puts the entire team in a bad position. And let's just be clear with this. Those two Tom Thibodeau and Julius Randle, they might be most culpable for this last night, but
but let's not let's not give a pass to that entire starting group to start the game totally checked out was not in it they they let the suns get on top of them early they gave up so many rebounds extra possessions they did not make them feel them the entire first quarter isaiah hartenstein tonight awful game uh, i mean he got destroyed absolutely destroyed by eubanks which is I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. Also, if that guy ever wants to put up a shot around the rim with any type of force, that would be that would be really great, and I would appreciate that. Um, and the last thing I will say is, yeah, I just go ahead, go ahead. Um, I just want to comment on what you said about the hypocrisy of, like, I'm, I don't know about you, I'm speaking to Knicks fans, not not random quote unquote objective fans who might just happen to be Julius Randolph. I don't know if those people exist, but like if you're, you know, fucking T wolves fan who just likes the way Julius Randolph plays basketball, I get, I get that there's going to be a bias there. If you're a Knicks fan and your bias is supposed to be towards what's best for the Knicks, the people who are right now, like taking victory laps, celebrating, being like, oh, you said he was bad, or you said he was playing bad, excuse me, about Julius Randle. He, he has a 47% true shooting percentage on the season. 47%. That would be one of, if not the least efficient uh, players on high usage in the entire NBA. And offense has been his better side of the floor this season. This was a game at home against a top-heavy Suns team missing two of its three best players. And you're celebrating a game that they lost because he didn't show up in the first half because he played one good quarter. Just and put also, that in perspective. Just, just touch on this real quick. You want Devin Booker? He shot like crap in the first half, right? He didn't do much. You know why he wasn't a complete fucking passenger and why they didn't, you know, you know, completely go underwater in his minutes? Go watch his defensive effort. Like, go watch the things he's able to do. Go watch him being like, okay, well, I drew the double, and now let me trust other players in this basketball team to make plays out of that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're cool. I, I agree with you completely. Booker's defense is, I can't believe how far it's come. He's become a plus plus defender, in my opinion. Um, he tries really hard, really good defender, just a really good player. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't understand how Knicks fans, where this comes from. Shouldn't everybody wants Julius Randle to play well or 95% of people, I, I, the people who, the people who put their prioritize their agenda, the, the their take over rooting for their team will just always baffle me. I don't like last season Schwinn was celebrating Randall saying, Oh, I was wrong. And he was criticizing RJ, not because he had it out for RJ and he loved Randall. He loves the Knicks. Do we have individual player biases? I mean, everybody knows I love Emmanuel quickly. I love RJ Barrett. Dude, those are probably my weak links, but I try my absolute best to just watch what I'm, what's going on in front of me and think what is best for the Knicks, what is hurting the Knicks, and just objectively analyze it. This idea that you have to like plant a flag in the ground and stick by it no matter what is insane to me. And just, again, keep in mind what you're celebrating, because this was not a good Randall game. It was a good Randall quarter where he tried really, really hard on one side of the ball for a quarter, and the Knicks lost. <laughs> the Knicks lost a the game they absolutely should have won, because they were decimated in the first half in the minutes Randall played. Let's let's be honest. Like I again, you're not putting this all on one player. 
But go look at the halftime plus minuses. Every Nick starter got back within minus five, down eight. It was Randall who was minus 15 at halftime. They did fine in the minutes he didn't play. They got absolutely destroyed in the minutes he did play because he couldn't be bothered to care. Again, this is like, this is like, and we should be allowed to talk about that without being like, in a week when he plays well, being like, oh, gotcha, you were wrong. No, no, wasn't wrong. This, I, I saw what I just saw. And it was very frustrating because the East is tough at the top. You have to win the games you're supposed to get, win. I get it. Sometimes you're not going to win the games you're supposed to win. But I would like for those nights and those losses to come because, oh, the Knicks just couldn't buy a bucket. The Knicks, that wasn't what happened tonight. <laughs> the Knicks lost tonight because they got destroyed on the offensive glass and because they got destroyed in the minutes Randall played in the first half. And then he woke up. And Tibbs was like, well, I got to close with him again. And then, big surprise, Randall won for five down the stretch because I guess when the stakes get close, he, he just doesn't know how to put the ball in the basket. Um, and maybe he'll get better at that. But I just – how can we – how much longer are we going to have to do this where this is just – it's impossible to talk about the Knicks without talking about Randall. Um, he is – the most frustrating player I've ever rooted for in any sport. And I don't think it's close. Um, and my favorite football player of all time is Jay Cutler. So <laughs> I, I don't, I, what else is there to say? I just, I, I don't get the Knicks fans who are turning this into a war. We should all agree on two things. We want Julius Randle to play the best basketball he's capable of, and he's not playing the best basketball he's capable of right now. How this can there be? How can yeah, there be yes. disagreements about either of those two things? If you're it's, a Knicks fan, it's a joke. And, and honestly, like I I'm just at, like, I've been kind of here since the playoffs last year and whatever I, I was, I think it, you needed to, um, I understand why they ran it back and I, I don't even think it's worth like arguing. And I also totally, I disagree, but I totally understand the people that were like, well, you know, Randall was hurt in the playoffs. So like, let's see how it looks and blah, blah, blah. Fine. I, I whatever, you know, you get that, whatever, like, I just don't understand how you can watch him play right now and just be like, well, you know, he's, it's just that he's not making shots. That's why people are criticizing. No, that's nothing to do with it. Like, I mean, no, I'm sorry. It is partly to do with it, but it like, this is how it works. Okay. If you make more shots, you get more leeway with not trying on defense. If you want a great example of this, go watch like, Kobe after 2010 or like LeBron James right now where he basically just kind of doesn't try on defense for a long times. And then, well, you know, he'll make the occasional highlight play and splash play and just cause he's that great of a player. But the reason why you can still get away with it is because he is still that great offensively. Okay. Like he's still that great offensively to get away with it. And it's like, you know, you can go down the list of stars in the NBA that get and, away. And with I, I mean, you, you know me, I'm always, when you say LeBron, him not trying on defense is way different than Julius not trying on defense because he's still thinking ahead and he's still impacting. Like he had positive D EPM the last three seasons, not trying yeah. like right, that. Right. Like, right. So I'm just, you know, there, even, even if you gave their efforts the same grade, here's an example. That's yeah. why Randall has to try because and, and Randall's not processing at the level, like an, an elite defender is. Yeah. And, and as another example, like, okay. Carl Anthony Towns, that's a guy that everybody has clowned on for his defense for a variety of reasons. Um, I still don't think he's a particularly great or good defender, but I do think when I've watched the Timberwolves this year, and I think if you ask Timberwolves fans, 
he is consistently trying. And like, that's really all you need. I don't need Julius Randle to be like an all NBA defender. I don't even need him to be a good defender. I just need him to know what the fuck is going on. Go back and watch that last play. He has no idea what's going on. You can literally see Tibbs screaming at him, like telling him what is like he needs to be doing because he he wanted to trap Booker and then have Randall come out to the to the shooter and then Quick had to make this crazy rotation to the opposite corner because they were doing this whole fucking thing. Randall had no idea what he was doing. And the idea that he played good defense last play is a joke. Okay? Like yes, is it a crazy amazing shot by Devin Booker? Obviously. It's a great shot. He's a great player. You know what you can't do in that situation is just let Devin Booker dribble into the shot he wants. Like, you just let him dribble into the shot he wants. If there's one shot he wants in that position, let me dribble to my right and take a fucking pull-up. And like, and why, did, why didn't he put his hands up? Look, he he didn't see, put his hands you up. See the, you see the Prez tweet? His yeah, hands no. are down when, De- when Booker releases the ball. He, no, and, he didn't go like... <laughs> and and the other stupid thing is like, he clearly, like, you if you watch that back, I would... I'll be shocked. I mean, Tibbs will never say publicly. He already said like he thought he'd play Randall play good defense. I promise you what was supposed to happen is that Randall was supposed to show out higher and trap him. I'm almost positive that is exactly what he's supposed to do. And instead, he's like in no man's land between the corner guy and himself, even though the corner guy, I forgot somebody, I might have been Mitch. I, I get to go back and watch the play very uh, exactly. But like, it's like Kata Bates D up or somebody like that. Um, like, he has to show out higher because I promise you Tibbs wants anybody but Devin Booker taking that shot. That's what he wanted. That's why he trapped him to begin with, right? He wanted to get the ball out of his hands and force the situation, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. This idea that that's acceptable or good defense is just, I mean, especially in the context of that whole game, given his defense. And like, And I will say, I mean, they didn't show the replay and, who knows? But like, it would not surprise me if he did foul uh, Nurkic on that possession before, where he reached in at right at the end of the shot clock. Um, but like, his defense was just not there. His rebounding was not there. And now, you know, his defense was so bad today. Even fucking Breen commented on it, and they never like MSG never comments on Julius Randle doing bad things. Um, but like, I mean that that today. He, I mean, how many drives where he like closes out to a shooter and then he just doesn't move his feet at all and they get a blow by it's like dude, you cannot play defense like that and you know again i don't think hartenstein played a very good defensive game i don't know if mitch robinson played a very good defensive game or not because i feel like he was just put in a terrible position throughout this game by randall um very specifically but also like just that group started out so poorly and and you know mitch was part of that too i i think it's safe to say he didn't have his best night um, the defensive rebounding tonight was just totally not there in a lot of ways from him. Um, but from a lot of people, like I didn't, I mean, the first possession of the fucking game, they miss a shot. Grimes has the ball and he gets it ripped out of his hands by a Kogi. He's just no awareness of where a Kogi is. And like Quentin Grimes, man, I don't know what the fuck is going on with him, but he's got to figure it out because what the hell was that? This is the second game in a row watching him where I'm like, what is going on here? Um, tonight the defense was at least good. Like, especially, I actually thought he did a good job on Booker. Booker just made some tough shots, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why he wasn't in on the last possession. I don't, he was the best and I, and RJ did an admirable, admirable job. This isn't hate on RJ. I thought he did a good job down the stretch at the point of attack, but Grimes did a Grimes was elite all game. He should have been the guy to take that assignment on. Um, yeah. and, I, I and, thought, Tib, I thought Tibbs coached a really bad game. And again, anyone who's listening to me on here, I've been, Praising Tibbs all season. I don't take joy in this. I thought Tibbs was awful. And look, I tweeted it out. 
if I hear one per one more person talk about, well, you know what Tom says, it doesn't matter who closes or it doesn't matter who starts, it matters who finishes. No, it, points don't count double at the end. How how many more times do we have to see this? How many more times do we have to see the Knicks dig a hole because the right people aren't playing enough minutes early on? Quickly again, with the fakest 25 minutes you'll ever see in your entire life. 11 first half minutes as we fell down eight. 11. Quickly, like, oh, I mean, you're talking about the halftime deficit. The halftime deficit, yeah. And quickly, and so we get to the, we get to quickly being inserted in the third quarter. The Knicks are down 13, I'm pretty sure. This, the Suns push the lead to 13. There's four minutes, five, five minutes left in the third quarter. That means that of the first 31 minutes, Emmanuel quickly had played 11 minutes, barely a third of the minutes. There's no other team in the entire league that has one of their four best players on this type of rotation. Devin Booker, <laughs> Frank Vogel in a game with no Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and no Bradley Beal is pulling Devin Booker at the six minute mark of each of the first and the third quarter to get the rotations going so that more lineups can be played so that he can balance out the, the rotations. But Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson have to play all 12 minutes of the first and third. There's no versatility that all the stuff that was happening earlier is just done. It's just, okay, we're going to try to survive the four minutes without Jalen. We learned nothing from the playoffs last year. So they're just, I mean, (laughs) just very, very fast. This season is becoming, it's just going to be a predictable, we got to get Jalen Brunson help. That's that's what we're going to learn from this season. Nothing else. If 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 it keeps on this ride, and it's infuriating. Yeah. Uh, this is from Hawkeye four twenty. I thought I heart DDV and Hart got torched by the Suns. Effortwise, I'll praise you and I expect them to to get out hustle by. Yeah, I don't think I don't agree about that with Divincenzo. I do agree about Hartenstein and and Josh Hart. Um, Hart picked it up in the second half. I, again, I don't know what the hell Hartenstein was doing tonight. I, I'll like I he had one defensive rebound in 14 minutes. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, he was not locked in, in any, in any sense of the word. I mean, he had that one where he got called for a foul in the first half. I don't remember who it was, but like Hart went over to trap and then like, he's waiting for Hart and Stein to come over so he can go rotate out to the opposite corner. Might've been Booker. It probably was. Yeah, it was Booker. And Hart and Stein, like, like he sees Hart leaving and he knows he's supposed to go. And then he just doesn't go until Booker puts the ball on the floor. So by the time he challenges him, Booker's in the restricted area. And then he gets up in the air and Booker draws a foul. And it's just like, I don't, again, I don't know what was going on with him. Maybe he was like nervous because Eubanks had been killing him in the glass. But to me, it's just like, dude, you, I mean, that's just a, that's just a play where like, I mean, he, he went over and rotated. He rotated anyway. So like, that's a play where you just need to, I, I don't know. I, I just thought that was like a pretty stupid play from him. And I just thought, I just, I, 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 I honestly feel like he's not really played that well in the uh the stretch since he started that long road trip um he did have a really good game against miami on friday but um tonight again just a really bad effort from him like for a guy that has stretches and not just like a week or two here or there like real stretches like months where he looks like a starting caliber center this recent six or seven game stretch from him has been really disappointing to me um josh hart Again, he like twenty four minutes tonight. I, again, I, I I look. We can sit here and talk about Randall too, and I I we already did the Randall thing, but like, I, I'm just kind of inclined to give RJ like ah, okay, fine. Like yeah, I, he hasn't been great to think about from injury, but this one seemed like a real outlier from tonight, and I did think his defense was good in the second half. But like, how many games is this now? Quentin Grimes, twenty minutes, one of five from the field, three points. 
one of three from three. Josh Hart, one of three from the field, four points, three rebounds, two assists. Like, I, I know, like, yeah, we won Josh Hart's minutes. We, you know, he's a plus one. But, like, I don't know how much that really had to do with him. And I just feel like his impact has not been there. And why the fuck is he the number? Like, why is he the first guy with the bench? Like, what, what about, what has happened in this season that you would, like, if you're objectively looking at the team, you're like, you know what? The guy who needs to come out, come off the bench first is Josh Hart. He's just really given us a lot. And the worst part about this is that he does it to bring in, to take out RJ. And like that Hart grime, that, that lineup has been awful. Like it's been awful. It's, it's been, it was awful last year. It was, we saw it in the playoffs. Like it was awful then. At least they were defending better. And it's, it's just terrible now. Like they're not making shots. So it just means that Julius and Jalen have to do these constant, like, shot creation iso hero ball things to like bail us out or mitchell robbins has to go crazy on the glass and i don't know i just i, I don't but you're not getting you're not getting shit for for, the, for those for, the, for those for those who don't know to to back up what Schwinn's saying the knicks have had two lineups this season play over 100 minutes in uh in whatever however many games they, they played 16 games now nine and seven um so yeah, in 16 games, they've played two minutes over 100 minutes. The starters have played 164 minutes. That group is winning its minutes. It, their net rating is 7.8, so they're winning by 7.8 points per 100. The second most played lineup, because of how Tom Thibodeau substitutes, is the starters with Josh Hart and RJ Barrett's role. It's played 103 minutes already, way more than any other lineup. And that lineup is losing its minutes by 12.1 points per 100 possessions. It's getting We're getting killed in those minutes. Yeah, and, and and you can sense it in the game. Like, you could sense it today. Josh Hart comes in, and you're like, nothing is happening. Actually, the opposite of nothing is happening. Bad things are happening. Um, but, like, you know, I, I will say, like, I don't know what it is. And I know that Josh Hart, again, I agree with what Hawkeye said, um, that I didn't – like, his first half especially, I just thought he was getting – work he just did not have the juice that he you should have um and look he is a new dad you know i i don't know if that's it's possible that that's affecting him just like it's possible that affected julius randall in 2021-22 but the fact of the matter is when he's on the floor um his impact has just not been what it was last year and that's for a variety of reasons not the least of which is that he is both hesitating to shoot threes quite often and also just not shooting them very well when he is shooting them um now i would say the hesitation is probably the bigger issue uh but like i just don't know what to do with some of that stuff and i do think he looks physically like he's moving better but i agree that like he it doesn't feel the same right now it does not feel like like last year when he came in the game it felt like all right here we go we're gonna like make a push here and get a and i gotta say man can he not like is is he like does is he blind in transition? Like if quickly is open, is this like a thing? Like he just can't like see him and he has to pass it to anybody else, but him like it's like three times today. He did that. If this has been a constant thing. And the funniest thing, if you actually go back to this in the playoff series against Miami uh, before quickly got hurt, I think they, they asked him or somebody about like quickly struggling from the field. And he's like, yeah, you know, we got to do Like I got to do a better job of finding him in transition too. Right. And I remember that next game, he had an opportunity in transition, Quick's wide open for three, just ignores him, drives in, takes a layup, whatever it was. But it's like, I, so it's obvious, I, and I don't, like, I'm, I'm I, he's not, 
doing this intentionally. But this is a thing with him where he just does, he gets tunnel vision when he gets a rebound and he gets a chance to go in transition. Um, and like, that is a fundamental characteristic of his game. I'm not going to say a flaw because there's good and bad things about that. Um, and we've can we can we stop, can we stop placing him above the break? Like also would love the, the 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 floor mapping is so dumb. He has no interest in shooting a three if he's not in the corner. So put him where he's comfortable, please. He needs to shoot when he's on the court. And it's a better driving angle for him from the corner too. Um, which yeah, like I look, I the the hard stuff. It just feels like this. There's two guys on this team that to me, I feel like have free reign when they're on the floor. And that is Julius Randle, who we all are aware of. And honestly, I think Josh Hart. Like, I don't, like, Josh Hart, I'm telling you, some of these rebound and go situations he has, I'm like, can you just get the fuck off the ball? Like, can you please? And, Br- and, Br- and Brunson, right? I mean, yes, but, like, I guess it's different to me because I'm like, when Brunson does stupid shit half the time, I'm like, yeah, that's stupid, but he still made, like, an 18-foot step back somehow? Like, uh, like, like, I don't know. To me, I just think it's different when, like, okay, so, like, if I give Brunson free reign, at the very least, he might make a suboptimal decision, but I don't think he'll make a stupid decision. I don't think he'll make a destructive decision. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just saying you agree that Brunson has free reign. I didn't mean that in a negative way. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's yeah. anything he could yeah, do yeah. where Tibbs would, be, Tibbs would be like, all right, rein it in. Yeah, and, and I think that's fine. Like, I think most coaches are going to give their stars, like, a lot of fucking leeway. So, to me, like, you know, the whole, like, oh, he's got a whole Randall accountable – I, it's easy to say, and I think it's nice to expect what that actually looks like as a coach. I'm not totally sure. And not just like, I know what I would like to do as a coach, but can we be realistic? And like, if you're Tom Thibodeau, you need to keep Julius Randle engaged and on side and committed as best you can for the remainder of the season. We have seen Julius Randle not take fourth quarter benchings and things like this, things of that nature. Great in the past, not all the time, but there have been situations where we've clearly seen it not be something that he enjoys or takes well. And it's early in the season. So this is like, it's hard to be like, Hey Julius, this is a real must win game and you just don't have it tonight. So like, I'm going to roll with fucking Dante DiVincenzo. You know what I mean? Like I I get that part of it. I I think it's kind of, it's hard to totally, I I don't really like to kill tips. I just think it's a difficult thing. But I'll say I just want to say this about that point, though. The longer the impact stats keep up the way they are, him and RJ need to at least be on the same level. I it can't be it can't be that. Oh, quickly has it going tonight. And by the way, everyone knows I love quickly. It can't be quickly has it going tonight and we need Brunson and I need hearts rebounding. So, okay, RJ, we need Julius' size. No, it can't. That can't. At a certain point, and I'm not saying maybe we're already there. At a certain point, RJ and Julius need to be viewed as equal priorities to this franchise, assuming RJ's, RJ's impact keeps up. That, that is vital. Like, that's, that can't be, uh, that can't, Julius, and, it can't be Julius and Brunson and then RJ's way below him. As I mean, these, uh, these impact stats are very, very telling. The team plays way better when RJ's on the court this year. So I think the other thing that's really concerning to me is um especially with this Randall Randall situation, but specifically with Randall and Hart, like he I think Randall, I genuinely like if you gave Tom Thibodeau truth serum and were like, 
do you love coaching Julius Randle? Do you love everything about him as a player? I feel like he'd be like, no, like absolutely not. Like I, I think he's in a position where because of the whole kind of like greater scheme of things, he's got to play Randall a lot of minutes. And, you know, like you, like, you know, we can debate how he should do it, how we can hold him accountable, whatever, but he's got to play him a lot of minutes. Josh Hart is a guy who like, you need to be able to look at him and be like, Hey dude, you're playing like fucking shit right now. I'm not playing you. Like you're coming out of the game early. Like come out of here. And the big problem I have with this is his inability to do that means that Hart and Randall play together a lot. And I don't like them playing together at all because right now Randall is shooting like ass from three. So teams don't give a shit that he's shooting if he wants to, or if he does shoot from out there. And Josh Hart is shooting like ass from three. And more than that, he's also a super reluctant three point shooter. So you're getting just horrible. Like the spacing sucks. Neither of these guys is able to overcome it right now with their finishing inside or whatever. And then the defense, like, look, I like Josh Hart. I don't think his defensive impact's been anywhere near what it was last year. And Julius Randle, I mean, shit, I actually thought to start the year for the first few games, it was better than last year. And I'm not going to lie, like, again, I'll just read off the numbers because I, I find them truly, truly fascinating. Uh, maybe I'm sick. Maybe I'm a sick person. But, like, Julius Randle, okay, this was his 2021-22 season. The bad season, as we all know it. 41.1% from the field, 30.8% from three on 5.4 attempts per game, and 75.6 uh, from the line. 20.1 points, 9.9 rebounds, 5.1 assists to 3.4 turnovers. All right? Now, if we want to just give Randall, uh, you know, we'll give him the mulligan on the on the the first five games of the year. Here's the last 10. 22 points. 5.5 assists, 9.7 rebounds, 3.4 turnovers, exactly the same. Uh, he is playing 35.2 minutes a night. He is shooting 42.3 from the field, 28.3 from three on six attempts per game, and 69% from the free throw line. So he's basically playing at the same level. Like, he is basically not playing well. Um, and he is very, very lucky that this team is as good as it is and that guys like very specifically quickly and RJ have played better this year and Mitch. Um, and he's, he's fortunate because if this was that 2021, 22 roster that he was on, it, like his struggles and the issues he's having and some of his defensive sequences that we've seen would be, you know, they, they would be just getting brutal. Like he'd, he'd be, he'd be getting shit on. So the only difference to me right now, and this happened that year too. Remember, he started the year badly, and it was like, well, you know, the team is still six and five or seven and six or whatever. Like it's okay. It's not okay. This is not sustainable. You cannot have a player playing thirty-five minutes a night, shooting even these numbers, these this ten minutes. I don't even need to look at it. I promise you, he is below at well below average in both effective field goal percentage and true shooting. You cannot have a player do who does who is an active detriment defensively get this number of minutes while he's also being an active detriment offensively. And it's not just a detriment to, in the sense of, of like he's missing shots. Like Quentin Grimes for the most part is missing shots. Yeah, yeah, look, I've, I've even said this before. There is an extent to like, which he's hurting the offense with his hesitations at times, but he is not hijacking your offense. 
you are not stalling anything around to get Quentin Grimes going. Okay. Like he's just operating on the fringes and right now has lost his way entirely. Randall, when he's in the game, everything or not everything, but at least so much of everything involves setting up a possession to get him the ball where he wants. And then everybody has to stand in pre-designated positions so that he can go do his thing. And maybe he'll throw it up, throw it to you for a kick out if he jumps in the air and realizes his shit's about to get blocked by somebody. And then he'll throw some last second Hail Mary to you in the fucking corner to bail him out for a three. But like, he's not, he's not making intuitive reads, you know, like I don't, I don't think RJ Barrett cannot create to the level that Julius Randle can right now. And I don't even think RJ Barrett is consistently making great decisions, but I do think that RJ Barrett is not operating in a way where everything comes to a halt to, to get RJ going. That is not what is happening. So to me, when he struggles, does it suck? Sure. You want to criticize him for it? Fair game. Do I think it's the same thing? No. And it's not the same thing like when Brunson struggles either. When Brunson struggles, it, it doesn't, it's it it completely kills everything you're trying to do offensively because of how much of a central focus he is offensively. That is the nature to a degree of having star players, especially for a coach like Tom Thibodeau. Okay. But that makes the standard for them, the standard they have to meet higher. And Randall is not meeting any type of standard right now. Any type of standard right now. If he could have RJ Barrett's efficiency this season we would probably be like a 12 or 13 win team right now like that that's just fucking math dude like it's you can't you cannot coach around this you cannot play around this like you know they, again like you want to criticize Tom Thibodeau for the shit uh, look I think I thought the Miami game like this honestly I think he probably coached a better game tonight than he did against Miami that's how bad I thought he was against Miami I don't know what the fuck that was going on there um, but like tonight, you know, I, the second half was weird. I don't really know what the hell Mitch was doing in the game for the entire third quarter. Uh, but he, at least look, he did the thing that you were like terrified. He wasn't going to do ever, which was take Brunson out on an obvious defensive possession. Right. So you got to give him that Jeff, you got to give him that. He did meet that bar. Um, uh, but then he had Mitch in for the last possession. Yes. So well, one, 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 one for two. What the, what the. You got to take the good with the bad, right? Um, I, guess, I guess. Or you could just have all three-point shooters in on a possession when you need a three. The fuck was that? Nope, can't do that. Um, no, well, <laughs> like, like I, I don't think he coached a good game tonight. But I also think if your star is playing like I, – I think what's interesting to me when I look at like a lot of you know fans and just people around the NBA, they're like, oh, I hate this coach. This coach is doing a terrible job. So often that – fan base or that team also has a situation where they have a star player who fans are not happy with, or who's having a bad season or a down season. I don't think that's a coincidence. Like that is kind of just how it works because it is impossible to coach around a guy this important to your franchise playing poorly. It's not feasible. Um, And so like, Look, you can criticize Tibbs plenty, and I certainly have, and I certainly will in the future. But I just think the Randall situation is not – I have a really tough time, like, killing him all the time for it because I don't – in my heart of hearts, I really think he'd be happy if they had if they moved on from Julius Randall for somebody who was 
legitimately like good at basketball. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that trade would be. Um, but we have no way of knowing this until it happens. But until it happens, like this is what it will be. Like it will be this. They will probably win a bunch of basketball games because there is plenty of talent in this team, and there will be the nights where Julius Randle has a shit together, uh, at least offensively, and they'll win. They'll win plenty of games. You know, I mean, they easily could have won tonight, and they did not win the, the rebounding possession the way they they normally would. Um, and that's on all of them, to be honest. Like that's on everybody that played. They they just did not do a great job on the glass tonight. Um, but like the the stuff that is up with Randall right now. Like, I, I don't know how you coach around that. I don't know how you even, I, I find it admirable but that guys are finding ways to play around it. But like, you know, every time the ball, go, like every time the ball went to Randall down the stretch of that fourth quarter, I was like, fuck, like, please just take a good shot or like, don't do anything too dumb or just awful. And, you know, what did we get, right? We got that possession where he spins into a triple team refuses to pass the ball, gets blocked, gets the ball back, is still triple teamed, tries to put up a shot again. Like, did he get fouled on that? Probably. But, like, read the room, man. Like, you're not getting that call. So kick the fucking ball out because there's three fucking guys on you. Um, I just, I, I, like, I, I just can't even get over what I saw from him tonight. Because even in that third quarter when he was cooking offensively, his defense was atrocious. Like it was absolutely atrocious. And and I know that because I know that Frank Vogel knew that. Frank Vogel was literally like, man, I'm gonna leave this guy out here. Great. I'm just gonna keep running pick and rolls at him with Devin Booker. This is fantastic. We're gonna get a good shot every single time down. Um, and I don't even need to like try offensively, actually. But yeah, like I look, I, I mean, I'm looking at the minutes here tonight. Um I don't really get the DiVincenzo minutes at all. He got 14 minutes tonight. Like, I would have happily played him more than Josh Hart tonight. I mean, I don't even think that's fucking close. I, I just did not think that that Hart, his defense wasn't good enough tonight, and his rebounding was, you know, take it or leave it. At least DiVincenzo hit a couple threes at some point. Like, I thought his defense actually, especially in the first half, was legitimately good. Um, I thought he helped slow down the Suns when he was in the game in the first half. But, I, I don't know, 14 minutes for him seems pretty fucking wild to me um i would have i would have liked to see him get more i, I don't know I, I did not love that again there's especially. just there's just not enough you're just gonna have nights like this with steven chenzo and even quickly and grime and obviously grimes because with brunson tibbs doesn't like how the knicks run the offense without brunson out there that's clear he's dying to get brunson back on the court and he like you you can just tell like like Brunson when he plays in games is probably going to play 36 to 40 minutes every single night any game he plays in because you can just tell when it's that quickly RJ bench unit the first sign of trouble the first time there's a possession that doesn't look good he's just like yeah Jalen get back in there like he just doesn't and he doesn't care about those minutes he's just like well when it's playoff time he's gonna play 45 minutes so like maximizing those minutes doesn't matter to him. So, okay. So when you have Brunson playing 36 to 40 minutes a night and he doesn't see any of Grimes quickly or DiVincenzo as a three, which they can play, especially DiVincenzo and Grimes, they could, they could be the three next to, you know, Brunson and quickly, but they don't do that much. 
there's only how many minutes does that leave? That leaves 10, that leaves 58 minutes, most 58 minutes, 58 to 60 minutes for three guys to play, you know, some backup point guard and two guard. So how do you split that? Especially when you don't substitute liberally. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I agree with you. I mean, that's what makes it frustrating. It's like, how about you just substitute more liberally? And like, he clearly is not, he, he very obviously knows Quentin Grimes is not playing well right now. Like, you know this because of his, 20 minutes for a tip starter is wild. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's how you know he knows that Grimes is not playing well. You don't need to put Grimes in for 20 minutes if he's not playing well. Like, it's okay. Did, did Quentin Grimes really need to close the first half today? Really? Because to me, that was another wasted portion of the game where we clearly could have made a, a cut into the lead. Like, even if he didn't, I'm not even saying lead quickly. And I thought DiVincenzo could have easily stayed in with that group. I liked how he was playing in that first half. He hit two threes, and then for some reason, we're pulling him for fucking Quentin Grimes, who doesn't even want to take a shot. Like, I don't get that at all. Um, but yeah, like, I just think it's, I mean, look, this is from Nafi Mahuda. Uh, the problem Tim finds himself is if he cuts Randall's usage down, I'm not confident. Randall will take it well. Imagine a Harden situation with half of Harden's trade value. Yeah, like, I do think that is 100% part of it. And that's what I mean when I'm talking about, like, he has to manage Randall in a way that he keeps him engaged because it is a long season. Um, and I agree with you. Like, and forgetting how engaged Randall is, if Randall isn't getting usage, like, look, he made that cut in the fourth quarter. And did you, did you like, Brian was like, oh, it's so good to, like, see Randall moving off the ball. And I was like, that is telling on yourself right now. You're telling a little bit on Randall. Like, if he is not involved in a play to get the ball, he does not, he's not engaged. Um, like, and that's this is why when he sets a screen, right, he never pops or he never rolls. He just kind of, like, He'll either, if he does roll, he'll roll to like the elbow with stick his hand up or he'll pop out for three and, you know, wait for the pass or he'll just go stand out in the perimeter. And he's like, oh, well, I guess Brunson's time to cook here. So I'm just chilling out here. Um, it's why they, 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 him and Brunson, they don't have a two man game. There is no two man game. Like it's just those guys take turns. And, you know, some of that's on Brunson too, to be fair. But like, We've seen this now with Randall with every fucking guard that he's played with. This is what he is. This is what he wants to be. This is how he, he views himself. And I'm so fucking sick and tired of people telling, oh, well, what about this guy? And fucking, he, you know, his, his ankle is hurt. And well, you're just being mean because you don't fucking like Randall. Okay, yo, you got me. You got me. Wow, you figured out the big secret. The big secret, Schwinn doesn't like Julius Randall as a basketball player. Wow, how did you figure fucking that one out? Is it because I've said it openly 700,000 fucking times? Maybe that's why. But like, I don't like him because I don't trust him. And I don't trust him because he does not do anything that is not inherently valuable to him in the fucking box score. That's a fact. Like, that stretch, this is why that stretch to close that Atlanta game was like so amazing. You were like, holy shit, he is running these dribble handoffs for quickly to get an advantage going downhill. He's actually deferring to quickly. He's like telling him to come over from the opposite corner to, to set the uh, ball screen for him. Like these are the things that he can do because he is a dynamic offensive talent. If he wanted to be these things, like, you know, all the people are like, Oh, he's like, he can just be like Draymond light or something. He can be like Draymond, like on offense. If he wanted to be, yeah, he probably could. He probably could be a similar, a version of Draymond. You know, not the same, obviously, because he's never going to have the 
instinctual playmaking that Draymond does, but he could be more of a dynamic scorer for sure. Obviously he could be way more effective as a scorer, as a role man that I fucking for sure know, but he doesn't want to do those things. And we have years and years of evidence of this now. And, and the last thing I want to say before I shut up here in this segment, um, if you genuinely, okay, if you genuinely feel like, man, Randall could just be so good if we just had a different coach. Can, can somebody remind me who, which coach has Randall had his two best seasons with? What was that? Oh, it was Tom Thibodeau. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay, great. Like this idea that Tom Thibodeau is holding back Julius Randall in some way is horseshit. I'm sorry. Like he's played his two best seasons for this guy and nothing we have like, there's been no point in his career. Go ask Pelicans fans, go ask Lakers fans, go ask them about Randall's defense. Okay. Like he's never been a good defender. He's not going to be a good defender. There's no situation where he's all of a sudden going to morph into a good defender or consistently give a shit or any of this stuff. This is what he is. He is always going to be inconsistent effort. He is always going to make negative decisions in crunch time because he does not read the floor well. That is his poor processing. And because he simply will not defer to people if he does not feel they are better than them than him, regardless of the situation. Like, he does not... The only person on this team you can argue with me he might think is on his level is Brunson. And even then, I think... He operates a lot of times like he doesn't really care about that. Like he's he he sees himself as like Shaq to Brunson's Kobe. Like yeah, yeah. maybe 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 like Brunson's a little bit more skilled and he can do some one on one stuff. But I'm like this dominant force, you know, like who who's the guy? I don't know. I I, I can see him seeing it like that. Um. Yeah, it's just it's 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 almost like you know. <laughs> And just like the way he was like, he like acted. It's like, it's like, he's doing us all such a big favor. I'm doing such a, Oh, I just want to be out there on the floor for the team. That's why I'm playing through the injury. Buddy. I'd rather have you not be on the floor. If you're going to play like this half the time. Like if you're, if his ankle still is bothering him, which maybe it is, I have no idea. Then just please don't play. Please sit out a game, please. Because I can't like, what the fuck was that today? Again, this is the second game in a row. Where I'm watching it, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I mean, we're talking about this game. I, I mean, I don't even know who, if you were on for the post game or whoever the fuck was on for the post game in the Miami game. What the fuck was that? Like, that that was that was as bad as that game. Remember, we talked about this last year, that game that he got hurt in against Miami at the end of the regular season. It was that bad. Where I'm like, are you... Like, I, I jokingly tweeted it out the day after. Like, why did Randall play like he was on Quaaludes? But like, like, no, really, like, why is he playing like he's on fucking Quaaludes right now? Like, he's just, I don't understand, and I don't know. Like, I, I really, and I, I mean this in all seriousness, and I'm not saying this derogatory, like, in a derogatory fashion or insinuate. I don't know. But if he, like, maybe there, if he has something going on mentally where, like, his effort is just waxes and wanes and whatever, that sucks. And, you know, hopefully that it's possible for him to, like, get, whatever help or whatever can happen there. But like at some point as a basketball organization, as a team, this is not tenable. Like how can you go into that locker room and you look at a guy like quickly, right? And you're like, this guy sacrifices for his team every fucking year. And basically every game at this point, right? Sacrifices based on what his coach wants from him 
and what his role is and all that stuff. How do you look at that guy and be like, yeah, Julius, you know, he's like, you know, we, we got to build around him and everything we do is like, like, are you kidding me? This guy can't even fucking make a defensive rotation for me. Like, go watch some of the rotations. You see, like, say whatever you want about Grimes and whatever. And, like, I don't think his defense has been as good this year in general. Go look at some of the rotations he has to make. Because, Rand, like, there was, he picked up a, a foul today, an and one. Um, I forgot who dro- drove. But it's because Julius, again, closed out to him in the corner. And it might have been Kata Bates, Diop, or whatever. One of these fucking, you know, NPC players they have. Um, and, like, he drives baseline because Randall just doesn't bother to move his feet. So then Grimes tries to come over and contest the shot. He fouls him. Gets an and one. And, like, I'm sure there are people that are criticizing Grimes for that, but it's like, man, that's the original sin is Julius. Like, Julius Randall is an athletic fucking beast. That guy has amazing feet for a man, for a big man his size. When he's engaged, he can be a really effective isolation defender in particular. There's no reason anybody should be getting easy blow-bys by Julius Randle, aside from lack of effort. And that's all we saw tonight. I mean, I just, I can't, even during his good third quarter, the only reason we're not talking about the bad defense during the third quarter is the offense was so fucking good. And that is the, like, that's the point we made right at the top, right? If you want to mail it in on defense, okay. Give me superstar offensive production. And right now, you're not. You're not. I'm sorry, even this game, this is this is not superstar offensive production. It's just not. I'm sorry. Like 28, 28 points on 21 shots is a good game. That's a good game. Okay. And fortunately today he made his free throws. Congratulations. I might throw a fucking party that he made free throws tonight. Um, but 28 points on 21 shots, two defensive rebounds in 36 minutes, by the way. Uh, two assists, two turnovers. Jalen Brunson got more defensive rebounds than him. Mitchell Robinson got more defensive rebounds than him. Emmanuel Cookley had as many defensive rebounds as him. Quentin Grimes had as many defensive rebounds as him in 20 minutes, by the way. Like, you know, I just, I don't know what to say. Like, at a certain point, the numbers just speak for themselves and everything is speaking for it. Like, it, you can't, you if, you are, if you're a fan of this team, how are you okay with this shit? Yeah, this is that's just always been the point. Um, and especially if you're, you know, if you're a fan of the Knicks and Julius Randle is your favorite player, how is how is your initial response to be like, no, it's actually not that bad. This is good. Like, shouldn't you more than anyone in the world know what good Julius Randle looks like? We saw it for almost an entire season last season. So we have the blueprint for what a good Julius Randle looks like. How can this be? How can it not be? Like I always said with RJ, there were kind of two camps. There were the people who were, there were people who just were done with him and were convinced he'd never be good. And then there were the people who were really high on him, but were saying he was already good. And what made me feel weird is I always just felt like an outlier because I you know, I looked at the impact data, I watched him play, and it was like, okay, I, I don't think he's helping us very much right now, but I still believe he can help us, and I, I, I'm not giving up hope. And, and the, that sort of nuance didn't really seem to exist. Um, now, was some of it maybe a little bit of homerism? Like, would I have felt this way about R.J. Barrett if he wasn't a Nick? Maybe not. I don't know. I can't say for sure, but 
for whatever reason, I was very much on the ship of like, okay, so I, I'm going to try to objectively analyze what his impact has been, how he's been as a player. But I, I projecting forward, I still believe it's there. If you want to be a Randall fan and for whatever reason believe that it's going to turn around, that's fine. Believe in him. Like, that's good. Be optimistic. But don't lie about what he's doing now. What good does that do anybody when we're trying to have this conversation? We're trying to, you know, discern what the issues are. Like, that's what we're doing here. I just I don't understand that. It's it's especially bullshit because these same people have no problem being like, oh, quickly sucked ass tonight. We got to get him off the floor. Grimes is playing. What, why is it okay? We can all objectively be like Quentin Grimes is playing like shit right now, right? Is there like a big controversy about saying that? Does anybody have a problem with saying that? Like at the moment, Quentin Grimes struggled and DiVincenzo had two good games. What happened? Oh my God. Do we need to change the starting lineup? Should Grimes lose his start, start, starting spot? And like, I get it. At the same time, I'm like, uh, well, I don't know, man. For over a year, that starting line has been good. Like, maybe we should just give Grimes a little bit of time here and see what happens. But, like, but I, I'm not sitting here saying Julius Randle can't start. Julius Randle should play 20 minutes a night. Like, these aren't realistic solutions as long as he's on the roster. I get that. So I'm not even suggesting this shit. Because why would I suggest something that makes absolutely no fucking sense? Okay? But, like, if I can't objectively look at him play over the course of this season and be like, not been great actually been pretty bad, well below the standard you'd expect, well below the standard you need. And look, the guy got a new agent, okay? You trying to tell me he's not thinking about a new contract? He's not thinking about a potential extension after this year? So it's fair to evaluate him on how he's playing. In fact, it's necessary. As a, at the, I'm sure the front office is doing it. You think they're sitting around being like, oh, man, you know, it's not Julius's fault. It's actually fucking... Dante DiVincenzo shot poorly this game. Like, no, I'm sure they're like, yeah, look, the best players, if they don't play well, your team has a pretty tough time winning ballgames. And by the way, another kind of response mechanism I see often is to then point out like, well, it's unrealistic to try every play. Like tonight, I actually, I criticized quickly from the Strickland account because he got burned twice on the offensive glass by Goodwin. Goodwin was outworking quickly. And I was like, that can't happen. You got, you have to box out like quickly. He's been good at boxing out in the past, but he's been kind of shaky at it this season. I think, I think the whole team, including quickly needs to put more emphasis on boxing out. Um, I do think some but, of that in, in general, I, I have a feeling some of that is probably about them trying to be more aggressive to get to more turnovers, but yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, but my point is, is that nobody it would be disingenuous to post a clip of quickly missing a box out and being like, well, this is rep- this is indicative of his overall effort. I'm not asking for Julius Randle to play perfect. I'm not asking for him to shoot like he shot in the past. I'm asking for the general vibe of his out- output and effort to be, to just look like you're giving a shit more often than he is right now, because he's just standing around with his hand on hands on his hips on both sides of the ball far too often like he's just he's just disinterested you don't like um, the you don't like the pointing at other people afterwards the bar is so low right now it's so fresh i just yeah you you'll know when you see it you know when yeah i mean we all saw it in the third quarter on offense that was someone interested in the game and, and uh by the way you brought it up you brought up uh the lack of brunson and randall's two-man game which i agree they never run pick and roll if they I do really like I, I yeah, he does it to get a switch. I still really liked what Jalen Brunson did during that stretch. 
he really, really took a backseat. That was a very uh, heady point guard decision by Jalen Brunson. There were multiple times where the Suns cheated that switch. Like they almost like pre-switched and Brunson could have walked into a pull-up three and he didn't take it to get Julius the ball with the mismatch. I thought that was a really selfless, good point guard decision by Jalen Brunson um, to get Julius Randle going because, you know, we've said all this, but as Schwinn alluded to, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago, with how this team is set up and how Tom Thibodeau coaches, we need Julius Randle to be good. Everybody, every Knicks fan wants him to be good. So, like, it's good when, you know, his teammates, you see quickly do it all the time and try to, and you saw Jalen do it in the third quarter, as I just said. You want to get him going. That We need him to get going. Um, Julius Randle and Emmanuel quickly have the same number of blocks this season. They both have two. One guy plays power forward and plays about 7,000 minutes a night. Um, the other one plays, uh, as Jeff likes to call it, the fakest 25 minutes in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> and quickly's, I, quickly's blocks came in the last two games on Lowry yeah. and uh, good, was it Goodwin or whoever he blocked tonight? It was Goodwin, yeah. Uh, this this is inspired to me to look it up by, um, is this Neo Schmidt? Randall's probably the worst shot blocker for a size in the history of the NBA. <laughs> History's a long time. There have been some really bad defensive big guys, but I'll tell you what, it, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me. Um it's just, he's so, there was one mix of him and Brunson out in the first half where like Brunson's pretty obviously trying to pass on somebody to Randall who's in the paint defensively or close to the paint defensively. And then he's going to go back out to the corner, just switch the assignment. And Randall, like, like, you know, I, I don't think Brunson necessarily communicated that all that well, but Randall's just not even focused. Like he's just not paying attention. And because of that, I think he might have either given up an end one or just a layup. I don't know, whatever it was. But it was just like, you just see this stuff all the time. And I just don't know. It's really, really easy to look at everybody else tonight and be like, yeah, you know what? Mitch didn't have a good defensive game. RJ didn't have a good defensive game. Hart, even Chenzo, quickly, whatever. They didn't do a good job on the glass. I think it is fair to say all those things. I also think that as uh you know as the line goes remember the titans attitude reflect leadership like at some point you can't always expect other guys to not take a cue from i'm not saying that's what happened tonight they all came out kind of flat tonight you know but if they're all coming out flat tonight guess what your job is as a leader as one of the leaders of the team is to set the example you can do that vocally you can do that with how you play, what you can't do is nothing. And what Randall did in terms of setting the tone tonight was nothing. He did nothing. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just so bored and sick of talking about this guy. I'm so sick of watching these type of games. I'm especially sick. I had to fucking watch the Bills losing fucking overtime. And then, it like, while I also am watching Julius Randall fucking, you know, walk his way through uh, about... 24 minutes of game time before he deigned it worthy uh, of his effort. And obviously that effort only involved getting the ball uh, to score offensively did not involve him doing much of the dirty work on defense. Um, Just a really, really frustrating game. And I don't know. I'm, I, I know like there's definitely other things to talk about, but I find it really 
pointless to talk about the other issues in the team because they're so marginal and meaningless aside from him. Like they really are. And just, just, just to, just, I mean, just to change the subject, you, you've said the 20, the benchmark for you is 25 games. How close are you closer now than you were a week ago to thinking, all right, like just start Grimes, start or start quickly, start DiVincenzo, or are you just not not remotely there yet? I mean, it's like weird because I actually feel like it felt like before he hurt his what did he hurt his wrist or his hand, whatever the fuck he hurt. Um, I actually thought the two games he played before that were pretty like they were a lot closer. I mean, he hit four threes in one or three threes in one. Like he was actually like taking shots. Uh, it, we even talked about it. He had that re- like insane attempted behind the back dribble against Atlanta that he like walked into Trey Young, and it was like a dumb play. But you're also like, okay, that's good that he's like trying shit. I like look. He did not play well tonight, so I'm not going to pretend like he did. I did kind of like the fact that he put the ball on the floor twice and took mid range jumpers. Like not, I, I didn't actually like those shots, but I liked what they said about him, where it was like, okay, maybe. His confidence isn't totally gone. Like, I didn't think he played without confidence tonight. I thought he missed shots and he rushed two threes where he was open on. Um, his balance was off on both of them. I knew he was going to miss them as soon as he released it both times. Um, but I didn't think he was lacking for aggression necessarily tonight. I just didn't think he had a, he did, he did not have a good offensive game. I would, I'm not at the point where I'm ready to bench him yet. I would probably wait like another, what do we have, 16 games right now? I think you wait till about 20 and then you see, but like, I, I still wouldn't, I still think the larger sample of him and that lineup is very positive and Mm -hmm. you should judge on the larger sample, not the smaller sample. Um, And I'm sure that there'll be people that listen to this who are like, Oh, well you said that about Grimes. Why don't you trust Julius Randall? And I'll be like, well, because I have seen Julius Randall go an entire season playing like a dickhead. So um, sorry. I, uh, no, I, I've been hurt once before, uh, and I am determined not to be hurt again by Julius Randle. What do you, because we haven't, we haven't talked about this directly. We've sort of, we're like two ships passing. <laughs> See, we haven't, we actually haven't been on a pod together in a, in a minute. I believe that, because I agree with you that we have a large sample of the starting lineup with Grimes succeeding. And to me, the decision to pull him from the starting lineup wouldn't be an indictment on the starting lineup. It wouldn't even be like, how can we make the starting lineup better or not as much to me, it would be more to help Grimes. Do you think there's any merit to that, that Grimes playing 18 to 22 minutes off the bench more with that quickly RJ unit, his, um, his impact per minute could be higher and that could just be good for his development rather than the 20 minutes he's getting with the starting unit that, for whatever reason, doesn't have interest in. It just it just doesn't seem to be helping him. So you know, if you if you project the team's the offensive, excuse me, the starting lineups uh, net rating to be you know plus seven per hundred, let's just say you know they put Divincenzo in the starting lineup, and let's even be generous and say they're going to lose a point per hundred. Could it be worth you know going down to plus six per hundred with the starting lineup? Could it be worth that if it means that Grimes is going to be more effective in his minutes and we're getting a better version of Quentin Grimes going forward? I mean, it wouldn't. I just don't know that Quentin Grimes is 100% going to be. Like, I don't 
feel like his issues right now are about playing with starters. I don't. And I say that because, yes, the two games DiVincenzo started were against two of the worst teams in the NBA, which is a reason, one, that I don't think it's worth benching Grimes based on that. But I saw DiVincenzo involve himself in plays, in the action, in a way that I have not seen Grimes do, but that are available for him to do. Like, he can do the same things DiVincenzo was doing in those minutes. I mean, Quentin Grimes can take a three with somebody in his face. That's, that is allowed. You're allowed to do that, actually. I hope he knows that. Maybe somebody can tell him. Um, but, like, he has to play with some confidence. Is it possible? Like, I don't – you might be right. Maybe, maybe that would help him. You know, maybe that would help him. But I don't know that for sure, and I don't think we should make that choice quite yet. My main issue with that, or uh, first of all, I, I think like now that we're you know I'm done with the Julius Randall portion of the uh, of the of the rundown here. I think there are a few things that are not popping right now with this team, and that's actually the reason why we're nine and seven instead of like thirteen and four, whatever the fuck. Um, I think Grimes, obviously Randall, whatever we don't need to talk about it anymore. Grimes is struggling. Josh Hart is, is not playing with, he's not having the same impact at all. Um, and I very specifically mentioned this on, uh, the pod I did with Stacy, uh, after the Minnesota game, but like you, those guys, Grimes and, and Hart are being selfish at times by not shooting. Like it is selfish of them in certain positions to not shoot because you are nuking an offensive possession and me and both those guys, most of the time, if they do, pass up a jumper, they record scratch the play, and then it's throw it to Randall, throw it to Brunson, throw it to quickly, throw it to RJ, and they'll bail us out. And so you're putting a lot of pressure on those guys to bail you out in certain situations. So I think those two, like you're getting very little from two of your three wing guys, at least in terms of their offense. And then I don't. I really, I, I know this is like maybe just my thing, but like I don't like how Hartenstein's been playing for a lot of this season, especially lately. And I think that's a problem. Now, obviously, there's different scales to these problems. Another problem is, you know, oh, quickly should I quickly needs to come in before Josh Hart. Why that's after that Miami game, for that to like still have been the rotation is fucking insane. Um, it is what it is. That's what it is right now. There's there's more than one problem with this team. I just think the Grimes one is so noticeable. And it's I think part of the reason it is noticeable is because Randall is playing poorly. Like I think if that if Randall wasn't playing poorly and we were just like, well, Grimes isn't shooting well, that lineup would probably still be like looking really good. And we would just be like, well, play him through it. He'll get better, it'll be fine. Um, I think there's a lot of just compounding issues that are going on. And so I would be, I would hesitate to move too many things around because I would rather bet on like, I, at some point, I feel like DiVincenzo is probably going to get into a more consistent rhythm from three. At some point, I think Josh Hart is going to consistently string together Josh Hart games off the bench. At some point, I think Isaiah Hartenstein will go back to being like the best reserve 
center in the league. At some point, I believe that Quentin Grimes will just start hitting threes at a normal level. I'd rather bet on that for at least the next four or five games than just be like, no, let's switch it up. Because you know you know how this works, especially with Tibbs. If DiVincenzo goes in that starting lineup, then th- th- it doesn't really... I don't think it will matter how Quentin Grimes plays. Like, let's say Quentin Grimes goes to the bench and he's killing it. Then Tibbs will just be like, well, great. He's killing it off the bench. That's his role now. Forever. And ever and ever. And, like, that's that's that. There's no... I don't think he's going to come back from that. Not this year, anyway. And I do so- think... I, I just want to say about that, and I'll let you finish your point afterwards. I do think that, from a profile standpoint, Grimes is a more natural starter. Like, I don't think Tibbs is the only coach who would put quickly in this sixth-man bench energy bench bo- uh Box. And and we've talked I do, about this I, before, and I, I personally like that better. His usage within that context of the role is a different thing, but I actually like him in that role better. You like quickly in that role. Yeah, because I think it gives him the latitude to actually like come in and handle the ball for stretches of time. Sure, but I mean I would I would just I would play him that's those same bench units and just also start him. I don't think that would be any different. Yeah, how can you do that though, Jeff? That's impossible. <laughs> you're here, you're right. Um but to to I want to I want you to finish your point. I didn't want to go off course. Oh, sorry, um, all I all my my only point is is that if Grimes if Grimes comes off the bench and he kind of writes the ship and then he gets back on course as that three and D guy, I don't see I don't find it hard to believe that Tibbs would be like, all right, we're gonna put you back in the starting lineup. I don't think that would just like ban him forever. But I could be wrong. I don't know. I I think Tibbs is weird. We know that. Uh, but like. To me, he does not view – I mean, you've talked about this. He views these groups as, like, literally separate groups. Like, the starters are a thing, and the bench is a thing, and then there are certain players within those groups that he might view as, like, oh, like, but you can close games sometimes, even when I'll – like, DiVincenzo, I'll get – I will bet he needs to play amazing to close games when everybody is healthy. Otherwise, he will not like quickly will close over him. Josh Hart will close over him if everybody's healthy. Um, RJ will obviously close over him. Grimes, if Grimes ever got a shit together, Grimes 100% close over DiVincenzo too. But like, so to me, he views the only time DiVincenzo will start is if Grimes is out because DiVincenzo is Grimes, right? That's the, that's no, no, I, I sub in DiVincenzo for Grimes. Like, that's how he views it. And um, I, I just, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. Look, if he goes to the bench and starts killing it, then maybe it was worth it, even if it means that he's going to be on the bench the rest of the year. Um, because I do think that there's something to be said of like, DiVincenzo to me is a pretty good fit in that starting lineup. Like, I don't actually think it's a bad thing. Is his point of attack defense as good as Grimes? You're going to give up a little bit of size, blah, blah, blah. Sure. I don't think it's actually a bad thing. And I don't think it's actually a bad thing for Grimes to come in off the bench. Um, like he might play better with that bench because they are going to get up and down the floor better. Um, I think he would have – he would just touch the ball more because people in that lineup do touch the ball more in general. That's just how it works. Um, and I think he might benefit from, like, playing with RJ. There's something you said, though. Like, him and RJ's minutes together over the course of their careers have weirdly not been that great, which is kind of surprising. Like, you would think their games should naturally complement each other offensively. Um, and I don't know. Their minutes, especially this year to me, just have not felt great. Maybe it's a temporary thing, but I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. But like, 
yeah, I mean, I, I think there's something to there's sure there's something to the idea of like, you know, maybe if you put him in a lineup where it's like quick and him and then RJ staggers in and Hart, there's more stuff for Grimes to do. And we know that like Grimes can be a good cutter. Maybe playing in a lineup with Hart and Stein more would help him. Um, all very possible. It's just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I will say, man, I can't believe Brunson shot at the end and go in. When he let it go, I was like, oh my God, is that actually good? That was a crazy shot. I, I could not even believe he. Also, I don't know why Eric Gordon didn't foul him. That was like a clear and obvious situation and opportunity to foul. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. The Grimes thing is, I just feel like we're so focused on it. And maybe it's the most glaring issue aside from the gigantic other one that we've talked about plenty. Um, but like, I don't know if it's the only issue because I, I the, the, the bench to me still just, it's not popping the way like you expect it to pop. Something is still off with that group. I do think that it's very much Josh Hart related. Um, it feels like he's constantly trying to do stuff. And I'm like, can you just fucking not do anything but shoot when you're open from three? Is that possible? Are you allowed to do that? Um, I would like him to get off the ball more. I'd like him to be more of a, a willing and active screen setter. Like, I, I feel like those are just missed opportunities. In general, I don't know. It's something the, the RJ rotation tonight just felt bad. Like, I, I don't even know how he's supposed to get into a rhythm with the, the way his minutes were kind of coming at him. And I'm not, you know, look, he didn't have a great game. I'm not trying to excuse that at all. But, like, I just don't really – I didn't really get it. I, I just thought his – like that stint he had kind of with the bench in both halves was so short, and it felt like he didn't have an opportunity to really get into a rhythm in those in those minutes. It was kind of like when you wanted to get into a rhythm. Uh, when it, get into a rhythm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. There's still stuff to work out here that go beyond Grimes, which is kind of like why I'm just hesitant to be like, well, if we did this – you know, I don't know if doing that automatically changes everything. I'm not even sure it makes that much of a difference, completely honest. Yeah, it might not. Um, if it were quickly and not DiVincenzo in the starting lineup, maybe I'd feel a little bit stronger because even if it doesn't do anything for Grimes, it does have the benefit of guaranteeing quickly more minutes, which, you know, if I've made one thing clear, I think that would be better for the Knicks. I think the Knicks would be a better basketball team if he – had a 35 minute ceiling as opposed to the 30 minute ceiling that he does have that he has right now. And if his 35 minute ceiling involved, you know, getting to rest as opposed to like playing 11 minutes in the first half and then playing the final 17 minutes of the game, I just doing that for multiple years in a row. I, it's just not really too surprising what happens to players who play with play for Tibbs over a long period of time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, this game was really, really frustrating, um, for so many reasons. And like, yeah, look, whatever, who the fuck was it? John Goodwin, whatever the fuck his name is. And, you know, fucking Eric Gordon's launching threes. I don't understand. They had this, that, that fucking trap they had at the end of the third quarter for no fucking reason that they gave up a corner three. Like, I don't know what that needed to be. I certainly don't understand why. Once they got the ball to Nurkic in the corner, 20 feet away from the hoop, that like Mitch felt the need to go like, oh my God, holy shit. Nurk's about to take a long two here. Got to fucking close out. Like, dude, why? You did your job. Like it, I, I, I don't know what that was. It felt like they were just 
all over the place on defense tonight, constantly scrambling. Uh, the pick and roll stuff was bad. I, and it, look, all this stuff is connected too. Like bad defensive rebounding often comes because you're giving up dribble penetration because your pick and roll defense sucks because X is doing a bad job of Y because of all these other things. Um, I just, I really, I really have a tough time being like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I, the other, t- the other things just don't matter to me. Like they had, they, they set a stat right uh, in the, um, in the, in the second half. I think they got their first offensive rebound at some point in the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter or something. Like the, wait, the, the Knicks did? No, no, no. The, the Suns, they got their, in the second half, they didn't get their first offensive oh, okay. rebound until like midway through the fourth quarter or something. Okay, cool. And I'm just like, like, I don't even think their defense was great in the second half, but simply on the virtue of like, okay, we're just not going to, like, totally let you get to the rim whenever you want and get into the paint whenever you want. And, like, like just on the virtue of that, your defensive rebound probably had more integrity. It probably also had more integrity because Mitch did a much better job on the defensive glass in the second half. Obviously, as soon as Hartenstein came in, they did grab a couple offensive rebounds. So, like, yeah, this was not a great Hartenstein game. Um, but, like, it, all that stuff is connected. There's... It's not a surprise the defense was better in the second half. And because their defense was better in the second half, their rebounding was better in the second half. And because their rebounding was better, they were able to get out and transition more and get in the back end of the game. Like, all this stuff is fucking connected. So this whole, like, idea that, you know, well, we can't – it's fine he didn't play defense for a half because then he didn't – because in the third quarter he went off offensively. I'm sorry, how are how are those connected? What is the – connect like, him – playing like awesome offense in the third quarter julius randall does not mean that you oh well it's fine that he played like shit in the first half and you're just being mean because you don't like him yeah i don't like him that's not the only reason i'm being mean i have no problem julius randall's playing well i have no problem being like man julius randall's playing well i'm sorry buddy julius randall's not playing well and he's playing in a way that's just destructive and makes it really hard to evaluate a variety of people on this team um and evaluate scheme and evaluate lineups and rotations and blah 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 like the guy is not doing his job and his job is to be the best or second best player on this team last time i checked i'm sorry like if we can't criticize that what can we criticize about it can we just never criticize him you know like and and i i agree with this i agree with this i had some people in my mentions that i just is you know fucking wants to die for julius randall tonight um this is from AJ Schuler. It wasn't even really good offense in that it was hero ball. He got hot. He got engaged. Yes. And this is why it's like even more. I, I It's kind of why I'm like, not, I don't care. Cause I'm like, you played well. What did that do for everybody else? Did it do anything for anybody else? Like he took 21 shots tonight. He had what, two assists. And I don't know this is not even a night where you're like, oh, well, you know, guys got to make shots. Like, this was not a night where Randall kicked out to a bunch of shooters and they just missed shots. This was not that kind of night. Um, you know, I, I think I think we even shot a decent percentage from three as a team. What did we shoot, like 12 to 29 or something? Um, I mean, we should have shot more, but in terms of just percentage, that's not bad. But, you know, it, it's... 
Yeah, we shot 12 of 30, so 40% from three. Brunson was 5 of 10. DiVincenzo, 2 of 3. Quickly, 3 of 6. Uh, RJ, 0 of 2. Grimes, 1 of 3. Randall, 1 of 4. But, like, it's not a bad shooting performance as a team. We didn't shoot enough threes. That is squarely, not entirely, but that's partially down to Randall. He had opportunities to kick out. He didn't. Um, and Yeah, and, and, and also I think we learned, or the idea got reinforced tonight that there is a lot of variance in single basketball games due to the emphasis on three-point shooting. It seemed like every time the Knicks were ready to, okay, like we're done taking, we're, we're going to start taking this seriously. There were multiple times where the Knicks got a two-point lead and it seemed like every single time some ridiculous Suns role player hit a three. I mean, look at, look at, don't look at their overall, look at what their bench shot from three. What were they? They were four of six. Seven of twelve. I mean, I can just read off the numbers right now. There you were had, nine of fifteen. Metu, Metu, I guarantee that guy shoots like twenty-eight percent from three coming into tonight's game. Two of two. Watanabe actually a good shooter. Two of four. Nas Little three of six. He's a decent shooter. Goodwin, I'm pretty sure is not a good shooter. He just had a game tonight. You know, Goodwin had fourteen points, seven rebounds, five assists. Um, like they, they got really hot shooting from those guys. But even like, like even. You know, yeah, is Eric Gordon a great shooter? He went six and nine. That's still like above great, you know? His were and his were deep, like man, he was hot early on. But my point isn't even to complain about Shotlock. My point is that in every basketball game, there are only so many things in your control. And some nights the things you can't control aren't gonna go your way. This is why it's so important to maximize the things you can control. Because you're gonna get to the end and be like, holy shit, like we weren't winning at the margins. We didn't catch these shooting luck breaks, and we lost to a team we should have beat. That's 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 how it works sometimes. The times there are plenty of games when the Knicks, you know, when the other team has a hot shooting night, and you know their shot luck is a little bit higher, and the Knicks still take care of business. And those are the nights when they're winning at the margins everywhere else, and they just didn't do that collectively as a team tonight. And to me, no player exemplifies that more than Julius Randle because. I don't think he's ever been a win at the margin player, whether he succeeds or he fails, he does it very loud. And he does it in, like you said earlier, Schwen, he does it in ways that directly impact his box score. Um, and yeah, that's, I guess that's all I have to say about that. It's very Forrest Gump of you. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is after tonight, but the Knicks coming into tonight, uh, Julius Randle plus 2.7 on court minus five on off Quentin Grimes minus 2.2 on court minus 11.3 on off. Um, so the numbers do not like Grimes here. They don't, they do not like Julius Randle this year. Uh, that is definitely an issue. And I, after tonight, I'm sure that that split will be, we'll have even more discrepancy because Jalen Brunson, like, the entire starting lineup, aside from R.J. Barrett, funny enough, is basically getting like sunk by these minutes that they play with Randall and Grimes, probably at this point. And the thing is, the Randall, Randall actually does benefit when he plays more with, with quickly, not with Josh Hart though. And it's like, like what I'm getting at is all these combinations are like happening, and they're the worst combinations. And it's like we're sticking to these combinations. We're not trying new things. Like to me at this point, Quick should be the first sub off the bench. 
and maybe you tried maybe you tried Divincenzo as a second sub off the bench because I know that if you're gonna play Brunson and Randall the full fucking first quarter or most of it anyway then just put shooters around them you know like I I don't know I, I don't really get the Josh Hart needs to come in as the first sub thing especially when Randall is still on the floor like it's obvious he views Hart as the backup four not RJ so to me the guy who should not be getting as many minutes at the three is Hart. Um, and right now he's getting minutes that should either be going to, you know, Grimes or probably if you're just basing it on performance of our DiVincenzo or quickly. Um, and he's not. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, the, I don't really... the, the numbers are updated on NBA.com, by the way, Schwinn. Um, oh yeah, so it's yeah. Uh, so they have the t- <laughs> they have the two worst on court net ratings of any rotation player and the two worst off court net ratings of any rotation player. In the Randall's pl- oh no of of Knicks rotation players. Okay. Sorry, um, Randall is plus two point one per hundred when he plays and my uh, plus eight point one per hundred when he sits. So the Knicks are six points per hundred better without Randall than with him. Uh, Grimes, they're actually losing his minutes now. He's third, so they're minus two point seven per hundred when he plays. He's the only Knicks player that's a negative at all, um, and they're plus nine point one per hundred when he sits for a plus eleven point eight per hundred differential when Grimes sits than when he plays, which is not good, not good at all. And somehow. Despite starting with those two, RJ is still plus 13.4 per hundred when he plays and minus 2.6 per hundred when he sits for a 17 point differential, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, Unsurprisingly, EPM does not like Grimes at all. Um, It's a little bit higher on Randall, like Randall's a positive this season. Um, I'll have to look into that more, but my guess is. My guess, it's all on defense, which is hilarious, which is how you know it's kind of fake. Um, he's like a slight positive overall, um, minus 0.2 on offense, plus 1.1 on defense. So my guess is the lineups he's playing in are just performing really well defensively. Grimes, on the other hand, it is not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just Grimes. Grimes is the outlier this season, uh, at least as far as EPM goes. He is, he is a negative. Which is, by the way, um, looking at this is pretty funny because I don't think Josh Hart has played very well this year. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the guys who the team is like have the lowest. So they're uh, the, what do you call it? Like the, they have the lowest net ratings when they're off the floor. So lower is better in this sense. Uh, right. RJ minus 2.6, Josh Hart plus 2.1, Brunson plus 2.4, quickly plus 3.1, Hartenstein plus 3.5, and then you get to Mitchell Robinson plus 3.7. So, um, we are once again in a situation where the starting group is not playing well, and a bunch of an amalgamation of bench players and starters are playing well, and we will probably not. Uh, adjust for at least another four or five games um yeah i don't know the it's not great right now it's not great um and the balance is definitely off and you know shit looking at that i don't know maybe you just maybe you do move grimes and 
maybe, you know, move Grimes to the bench, play DiVincenzo, see what happens. Uh, the, the Josh Hart numbers are fake, though. I don't care what anybody says. He's not had a good year so far. Um, yeah, and I think, I think if we have a bias, there's two biases being that are working against Hart right now. One, his first impression just set the bar too high. He was never going to play like he did as a Nick last season ever again. That's that's not even fair to hold him to that standard. He was shooting lights out. He he had that like new new car smell. He was super excited excited to be here, and he was just everywhere. It's just impossible to keep that up over. And everything was just like going for him. Everything was right. Going for him. Exactly. I mean, he shot fifty seven percent from three over he, like a a, a two month stretch. He hit like the biggest three of the playoffs potentially. Yeah, in that he did. Cleveland game, like he, yeah, everything was going for him. Yeah, um, and then the other thing is that I, it's just when Hart doesn't shoot the shots that he's supposed to shoot, that's so loud and it's so frustrating because the Knicks struggle in the half court. And I think fans know they're like, okay, like he's directly hurting the Knicks by not taking a shot that was a good shot the Knicks created. So it's possible that. There's a there's an eye test bias that Hart has actually, despite his shooting, his shooting has unquestionably been bad. He's shooting 28% from three on, you know, three attempts a game. But it's possible that his non-shooting stuff has been better than, you know, our eyes want to give him credit for because of these biases that have been created. Yeah, I don't, I, I do think, I tend to agree with you. Like, I think his defense, I know today was not good, but I think in general over the last six, seven games that's picked up, um, at least how I felt the rebounding has not been an issue for me aside from today. Like I think in general, he's been a good, like he's done a good job on the glass as has the team for that matter. Um, but like, I, I mean, I, I started picking up on this last year by, you know, in the playoffs and really towards the end of last year, I do think some of the transition push stuff like, Oh, I'm going to get this rebound. And now I'm going to just keep driving and I'm going to keep going. And it's like, Dude, they're like the the lack of players in this team willing to just throw hit ahead passes is so fucking frustrating. It's so frustrating, and it is not just Josh Hart, but like for I don't know why, but for some reason his just popped to me more than anybody. Maybe because I expect him to be like, and he is like an unselfish player. He just sucks at this one thing. Um, but like, like RJ's not good at it. Brunson can't. Brunson has moments, but like he's not particularly good at it. I feel like Brunson off time when he gets the ball in a transition, he's like trying to force them to match up like in a missile, like basically draw a mismatch that he can cook. Um, Quickly's pretty good at it. Hartenstein is his heart's in the right place uh, on it a lot of times. I don't know about his execution. Sometimes yeah, he, tries. He, and, he tries. And then like, and then like Randall, like anything else with Randall, I feel like Randall's really good at it when he wants to be really good at it. And then he's just, but he's just, he doesn't want to be often enough. So it doesn't, you know. Well, he wants to take the ball and just dribble it up the floor himself and get right. into a possession for himself. So that's what it is. Um, and then Mitch won't make those passes. And like, look, uh, there's a lot of things to blame Tibbs for. And I think, you know, some of the slow pace stuff is a tactical choice. If Mitch is going to get this many defensive rebounds, it's kind of hard to push the, the pace because he's not going to just comfortably get the ball and immediately make a quick, quick decision to swing it to somebody um, like that one at the, at the end of the game that I have no idea how they call that a transition take foul, but like that play 
he could have easily passed that to Randall or anybody two or three seconds, like a second before that. But he's just, he does not process that fast enough. And so he's always holding on to it before, like, he's like, he's kind of like surveys, make sure nobody else is there, and then he'll give it to somebody. Um, so you're like, lose your opportunity. I mean, it, it's the NBA. Like, you literally have one or two seconds max to take advantage of a transition opportunity. And if not, it's gone. Um, but yeah, like he, it's just limiting in that sense. And, um, you know, you got to say Mitchell Robinson been, uh, I have said it various times. He's been the best player on the team this year. Um, last two games from him, not been great, not been very good. He was bad against Miami. And I know you pointed this out. Like some of that's not on him. It's like, Hey guys, he's fucking wide open here underneath the rim. You want to throw him the ball. Um, but in a lot of ways, like at the end of the day, his limitations got exposed again by Miami. They scheme for him really well, and they scheme for the Knicks really well. Like they know the Knicks won't make that pass, and so they know what they can do. They knew they know how to get Mitchell Robinson off the glass, make him a non-factor, and they did. And then tonight, like look, the first half for him was not good. He got bodied by Nurkic. He got bodied by Nurkic in the fourth quarter on that possession in the post. Um, like that's not good enough. And I look, I, I think. I respect him playing that full third quarter. I know that's not easy for a guy like him. He also took a big hit, you know, when he fell on his ass. Um, looked like he was fine, though, which is good for us. But, like, this has not been a good two games for him. That's it. Like, I, I don't, you know, that, that's what it is. Um, and we'll see. I don't know. I, I just, it's really frustrating to watch a game like this tonight because, like you said, like, Look, teams can have hot shooting nights from three, and that's what it is. And and to a large extent, I do think that is a big contributing factor as to why the Knicks lost this game. But you allowed that to be a factor because for at least the first 24 minutes of this game, you played like it was inevitable that you were going to win this game. Um, and in particular, like that starting lineup just they set the tone so poorly. And once you let a team kind of sense that they can, they can, you know, they, they can grasp that they can feel it. And, um, and like, you're just, it's just shitty when like, you're talking about two games down in a row where your starters are burying you. They're, they're putting you in such a hole. It's a ludicrous standard to expect your bench guys then to come in and just save, Oh, save us. Please save us. You guys are the plus minus guys, right? Save us. Like, it's just a ridiculous expectation to have. It's not realistic at all. And it's not fair to them. And hey, you know what? Maybe if they're constantly outperforming the starters, it says something. I don't know. Maybe if Jalen Brunson's constantly look, Jalen Brunson killed it tonight, right? Starters or no starters or whatever. The reason that guy was a plus five tonight is because of like the minutes he played in the second half with the start with the bench, basically. Uh or, sorry, in both halves of the bench. That's the reason he had the best plus minus out of the starters, because he played with the bench the most. And those groups made more significant runs um not to take away you know randall playing well in the third quarter or any of that but even then i think what they were down like nine or something when the bench came in i don't know whatever the fuck it was it doesn't really matter they just played so in the in, in the second half or the first half second half um when quickly and so quickly and hard came in at the same time at the five minute mark they were down 13 yeah so like yeah and, and remember and remember by the way the Knicks came out of the gate pretty well and uh, cut the lead to four a couple times. Like it was like, okay, they're going to start trying this half. And then the Suns 
just didn't let off uh, Booker, especially, you know, everybody, uh, every Knicks fan, rightly so wants to credit Randall for his offensive explosion in the third quarter, but Booker matched him, you know, Booker, they, they were, they were dicing the Knicks. Uh, just random thing. I want to say when Benyama tonight had six steals and four blocks, he had 22 points, 11 rebounds, six steals and four blocks. That's a cool, okay? uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, they lost to Denver obviously, but that's, a, that's a cool stat line. No, no, I said, do you think he'll be okay? Cause you know, there's a lot of concern yeah. about Vic. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's got it real tough down there in San Antonio. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I just, this team is just so, it's so close. And I think it's so much easier to have leeway and patience with Grimes or Josh Hart or DiVincenzo or Hartenstein or Mitch or any of these dudes really for me, because in general, I'm watching this season. I'm like, look, I don't think Josh Hart's playing well, but I don't think in like, I don't feel generally speaking his issues of not playing well have to do with like, well, he's just not locked in or he's not trying or he doesn't really give a shit about this tonight or any of that. It's just like, he's not playing well. And that's why the Julius fuck-ups are so much more frustrating and why like as a fan quite frankly they're more difficult for me to get over because i'm just like why like what what is going on in your head right now and the first four or five games right you want to say oh he was injured right that was that was the thing that came out oh we don't realize like he's just getting his legs under him and now he's going to be fine and yeah well he had like those two good games after we played milwaukee and everybody's like oh filling out fucking apology forms or whatever get get the fuck out of here an apology for him Get the fuck out of my face with that. All right. Like, like, I mean, then we're 16 games into the season. His true shooting percentage is 48%. That's, is that what it is after tonight? Yeah, it's 48%. Damn, man. He's really killing it this year. Yeah. I should um, an apology for him. So, what is that? That's, that's in the sixth percentile in the entire NBA. We've played 20. This is 20% of the season now. Right. So, this is not like, well, it's early. Like it is early, yes. But you've played a fucking real portion of the season here, man. You know, like you can't just keep hand waving this stuff away. Like, I'm sorry, I, 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 I mentioned this earlier, but like we can sit here and talk about Tibbs and the rotations and IQ should do this and this guy should get that many minutes and this one should get this one. And if Julius Randle is going to be a 48 true shooting player, we are fucked. Like we will not do anything other than make the play in maybe. That's that is the ceiling of this team. If Julius, like, if you told the Suns right now, hey, Devin Booker is going to play or he's going to shoot forty eight true shooting for the rest of the year, guess what? They'd be like, shit, he might be giving up a lottery pick. That sucks. Like, you can't like you you. We can't sit here and pretend like it, it. This is not just small sample stuff anymore. This is not just oh well he'll get it together and no, like. I'm worried, man. I really am worried watching Randall right now. Because to me, this does not feel like a guy that's like, oh, he's definitely going to get it better now. It's, it just doesn't. You're on mute, And uh, Yeah. And also, the, the worse he plays as we ride this roller coaster of Julius Randall, we're going, we're going to teeter back to, well, we can't, can't get rid of him because his value is too low. You know, like that's, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> and 
I don't know. I mean, that sucks. That sucks just as bad as he's playing well, but like, can we get a star back for him? You know, there's this just uh, look, I always, I, you, you had that great tweet, you know, a week or two ago where you were like pretty psyched that the Knicks got to eight and five. But then I remembered that this team has a ceiling of a second round ceiling or whatever. Like that's, I hate when people use the word purgatory and they're like, oh, this Knicks team. Like, what's the point of watching this? They can't win a championship. I love watching this team. I said it last year. I love this team. I I, I just enjoy this so much. Um, um, thank God. Um, <laughs> um, I'm probably behind you in the in the Ravens game. Um, it's fine. Football is a stupid sport. It is. A, it's dude. That Bills Eagles game was the most ridiculous thing I've. I would be embarrassed if I was an Eagles fan. That's what I have to say about that game. I would just be like, "This is too much." The, the we can't. This can't keep happening. Like there was another one in overtime. No, we talked about where Slay was just like tackling dicks, and they were just like, "Nah, we're good. It's good. It's cool." And the horse collar happened right in front of the ref. There was a ref standing right there. I, I, just, I don't. I, I that that one. I just. I have no idea. How you don't call that. I just. I couldn't believe it. Um. What was I saying? Uh, oh, you you made a good tweet. I I love I love the Knicks. I love this team. Julius Randle is like, and I you know I've loved plenty of times rooting for Julius Randle. So I don't want I hate making it seem like this is personal or like it's not personal. But Julius Randle is almost the exception to that purgatory thing because he is what makes me kind of try to understand those people, the people who think that this Knicks team is purgatory. I don't agree with them, but Julius Randle makes me think like, well, yeah, what is the point? Of if Julius Randle is going to be on the team for the next seven years, what is the point of this? That That's truly how I believe, because I don't think you can win a championship with them or even contend for a championship with him. And if the ride is just going to keep going like this, if it's going to be all-star, all-star, 20 and 10, all-star, all-NBA, oh, we got to get him help, and then it teeters back to – Ah, can't trade him. You know, we know he's been an all-star and nobody's going to give us anything for him now. And we're just going to keep playing this game for the next five, 10 years. Um, I don't know what the point, I, 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 I don't want to use that lingo, but I don't, aside from just love of the team, I don't know what the point of it is. Cause I don't, I don't see how it can happen. Um, Cause the goal is to win a championship. We do want to win a championship. So even if we uh, take out, or I, I have no idea what, what the fuck it, it would be after tonight. But even if you just lo- use the last 10 games for Julius, he was at 51.3 true shooting coming in tonight. Assuming tonight bumps that up, let's call it, what, 53? Something like that, maybe. Like, that's still not good. Like, this is my point. It's like, like, is it better than that whatever the hell the start of the season was? Sure. Yeah, it's better. It's not actually good, though. Like, that's not that is not good. If he's 52 shooting for the rest of the year, guess what? I bet you, I bet you there's a huge cross section of people that are defending Julius Randle who shit on RJ Barrett the last couple of years when he's at like 53 true shooting, right? Oh, no, he's not efficient enough. That's not efficient enough. That's not efficient enough in the fucking modern NBA for a high usage guy. A guy that's 27, 28, 29 usage. That's not high enough. That's not. Um, I don't, again, I, I just, I hate that like so many of these. So many of these post games turn into like Randall vent sessions, but he is the one thing on this team that it's just like hard to really wrap your brain around after four plus years. It's his fault. It's his fifth year on the team. 
And we're still playing this fucking game where we're like, do we trust him? And it's like, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't trust him last year after the playoffs. I didn't trust him at various points. But, like, I just don't know how you can watch the start of this year and still feel like, yeah, that's our guy. Like, really? Like, I mean, if he's our guy, maybe he'll prove it at some point. But, like, guess what? The beauty of being just, like, a fan is I don't need to just inherently, like, not change. Like, I'm not a coach, dude. I'm not answering questions. I don't need to be, like, sensitive towards Julius Randle's fucking feelings. All right? And you know what? Julius Randle has me blocked on Twitter. So he doesn't need to see any of the fucking things I say. So good for him. But, like, I'm sorry. If he's playing like an asshole, I think it's fair to call that out. And if people are like, well, why didn't you say anything about R.J. Barrett? Why didn't you say anything about Dante DiVincenzo? Why would I say anything about those guys when the biggest, most important player in the team, arguably, is playing like shit? The guy that's like being treated like the franchise player is playing like an asshole. If Brunson's playing like shit, I'll say it. I've said it when Brunson's playing like shit. I have no problem saying Brunson's playing like shit. I didn't like how he started this season. Which went beyond just the shot, mate, like him shooting however he was shooting. It, it went beyond that. I like how he's playing recently. Is it still, you know, perfect point guard play? No, I mean, that's stupid. Nobody's going to be perfect anything. But like the difference between Brunson and Randall is at no point did you ever honestly feel like, oh, what if, I don't know if he's going to turn it around. I don't know. Is it going to happen? Or, or I don't know if he cares. <laughs> yeah. You know, Brunson cares out there. Yeah, I mean, I thought I think you saw tonight. Like there were multiple times where I felt like he could tell that the team was not there, like they were not emotionally locked in and and mentally prepared and all that stuff. Like in the first half, I don't know. He he did he deserved an and one on that one that Booker clearly fouled him on, but like he was like so aggressive and demonstrative, it almost felt like he was trying to like get the team going, get the crowd going, and. All, and then, like, you know, with Randall, I'm like, honestly, I don't think he gives a shit about the fans. I really don't. I don't think he gives a shit about, like, the crowd. I don't think he cares about, like, like that's not to say he fucking hates us or something. But I don't think it matters to him. Like, his performance is about his performance. He does not feel like, oh, I owe it to the fans or, like, I need to put on a show for the crowd or any of that shit. Like, and maybe he doesn't need to. You know, plenty of plenty of players seem to feel like that's a totally normal mindset to have. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just a fan. I, I think like, not saying they owe me anything. They, I don't give a shit about them owing me explanations, uh, you know, to whatever hell is going on in their lives or whatever. But I think I do. A, I think fans at least deserve just like an honest effort consistently. Um, and when you can't meet that low bar, like has been the case way too often this season. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's going to be frustration. And there's going to be people that are upset about it and they rightfully should be allowed to voice their opinions. Like, you know what? Like I love Emmanuel quickly when people shit on him for his playoff performance last year, I'll argue forever that like, yeah, well, I still kind of think like he maybe he should have played more and he probably would have, if they had, if he had stayed healthy, um, I still think he would have played more and he would have probably figured some shit out, but I'm never going to criticize people that are like, well, I don't want to pay him X amount because he hasn't shown me yet in the playoffs, which is why, like, I, I mean, we talked about this after he didn't sign his extension. Like, I do understand why as a front office, you may hesitate to be like, well, I don't know if I want to give this guy $25 million a year. 
And other there'll be people like, well, they did it for Julius, and it's like, yeah, well, look at how that fucking turned out, you know? Like Julius got to the playoffs again and played like shit. So like maybe they are a little hesitant about that. That's reasonable. I have no problem with that. So why is it an issue to be just be reasonably like critical of other players in the team? You know, we've we've been critical. We've criticized everybody on this team. I think, fairly yeah. or unfairly, you know, good or bad. But like, and, yeah. and I just wanna, I just want this idea that you have to plant a flag like in the ground and never change. You know, you said it earlier a couple of minutes ago, the beauty of being a fan, the beauty of being a fan is that our opinions don't actually impact the team. So like as much shit as I'll give Tibbs for like riding and dying with Julius, the way he does, I understand it. Like I, I maybe I don't agree with it, but I understand the perspective that I think this guy maximized gives us the best chance of winning with this roster. And like, I respect that. So I get why, you know, from if you're an objective party viewing the situation, it appears that Tibbs has a bias towards Julius Randle. I get that. But if you're a fan who isn't involved in the organization, I promise you, if Emmanuel quickly starts playing like an asshole, I'll be this critical with them. Like, I will, I will, I will say he's not playing well. We did it with RJ last year. Like, I did not like how RJ was playing. And because of that, apparently, I now hate RJ, but also apparently tonight I found out that I don't criticize RJ because I don't, because I have an agenda against Randall and therefore <laughs> I like RJ. And so now I don't criticize RJ. So one day I'm going to figure out who exactly it is that I criticize and don't criticize. Um, just they, 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 they all hate me too. So don't worry. I'm with you. Like all the RJ fans and haters all, man, there's this one RJ hater who's always in my mentions and always is like, dude, when are you going to say something negative about him? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask the RJ fans because they hate me too. Uh, I'm just going to read out some comments because we've gotten a bunch. This is from our good buddy, Nick's 100 AGM. Uh, to walk around, and I just want to make sure everybody that's not watching this, this is in all caps, so he means this shit. Uh, to walk around and stand around giving halfway effort is anti-team, anti-winner. I'm assuming this is about Julius. I agree. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of this stuff. This is from Walt Clive Fraser. The difference between RJ and Randall low points is that effort was never an issue for RJ and Randall's vet. See, like, I actually think our, even effort was an issue for RJ, but it's, I don't know how to explain this. There is a difference. Like, there is a difference between RJ, Lolly. Like, there, there's literally possessions where Randall is just, like, not paying attention to anything. Like, literally not paying, like, he's just standing there. I, again, I cannot like, watch the final play of the game. Watch it in its entirety. You will see Tibbs screaming at Randall, trying to tell him, like, instruct him what he wanted him to do because whatever Randall was doing was not what he wanted him to do. This is coming out of a fucking timeout. This is the, the final play of the game. This is the game. Like, how, if you're not locked in in that moment, what the fuck? Like, we make Jordan Poole has been getting clowned this entire season for his various antics during timeouts. I would love, I would love to see a close-up shot of what is going on in these timeouts. Because again, watch that play in its entirety. You can literally see Tibbs screaming at him whatever instruction was whatever whatever he needed to do. And like that's just so unacceptable to me. This is this is not like, oh, they came out of a timeout in the second quarter or something. Like, no, this is the like under 20 seconds left, last play of the game. You have a chance to take the game to overtime and potentially steal a win that you really maybe shouldn't didn't deserve. 
and that's your effort in that situation. Your that's your focus. It it's just wild to me. Um, yeah, I, I just it's just it, it's it's not. Schwinn, can you uh can you uh highlight the question Brent just asked? Yeah, uh, I this is from Brent. I barely understand X's and O's of the game, but please tell me why our defensive game plan is Brunson always helping in the paint off of shooters. He's never gotten a weak side steal block and his recover and, and recover. Yeah, I get that. Speed is at best. So, uh, Brent, just to answer your question, Tibbs' scheme always has the weak side low man uh, pre-stunting. So basically they overload on the strong side. And whether you're Emmanuel quickly... Quentin Grimes, Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson. He expects you to have, you know, two feet either in the paint or on the block ready to be there in case they lose at the point of attack. And if the kickout is made, it's on you to recover. My personal belief is that Tibbs should be a little bit more lenient and coach to his players' talent, like expecting Jalen Brunson and, and Emmanuel quickly to be able to do the exact same things in terms of stunting and recovering is a mistake in my opinion, but Tibbs doesn't see it that way. And of course he knows way more about basketball than I do. Um, He expects Jalen Brunson, anyone who happens to be in that weak side, low spot to be able to stunt and recover the way we see, you know, quickly do it all the time. So that is the reason that you see Brunson doing that often. And to be fair to Brunson, He's been way better at it this season than he was last season. He was atrocious at it last season. And that's why early on, that's why overall the Knicks defense, uh, the starters got murdered defensively. Like, you know, the, the RJ Randall Brunson trio, I think they gave up like 120 points per hundred possessions. Um, a big reason it was because none of the three of them could execute Tibbs' scheme to his liking. Um, and it's why quickly his on off numbers were so ridiculous. This season, Brunson and RJ have been much better at it. Uh, are they perfect? No, of course not. But when Tibbs sees that and he sees that, okay, see, you are capable of it, he's going to expect it of them. Also, like, this is the always the thing. Like, th- because of how they defend, you're always opening the door to nights like this. Like, oh, Nas Little going off from three, Chemezi Metu, whatever. Um, like Goodwin, like I don't know. I bet you that guy fucking sucks at shooting threes. You fucking dr- he had a fucking step back today. Like he, he hit all kinds of shots. Um, but Metu like, had a smooth one too. That was yeah. just like what the fuck, dude. Uh, but but like, you're the key is how does it work on aggregate, and then you adjust it. You know when you get into like serious matchups or whatever, you'd probably adjust. I, I guarantee you, if this was a playoff series, Brunson's help would have not been as aggressive like it would have changed um i i would i would almost guarantee it or i mean there have been di- just different things they threw out there um but like i kind of understand what tibbs was doing where he was kind of like i think these guys suck at shooting and if we let them shoot enough they'll just miss didn't quite happen though it did kind of like in the fourth quarter you could definitely tell like who did was it kata bates dia that took a three that was like might have been the ugliest we've ever seen in my life. It was like three feet short, maybe hit like the bottom of the backboard from the side of uh, it was a really disgusting three you missed. Um but yeah it's like important to understand that you're trying to make this scheme work for you over the course of 82 games without overreacting entirely to one 48 minute period of a of a ball game. Um 
So like on aggregate, the Knicks defense has been good this year. And, and there are reasons tonight that the defense was not good. That isn't about Suns three-point shooting. They did not rebound well tonight. You know, they didn't end possessions. That's the biggest part of defensive of defense is actually ending possessions. Um, and then they, they also did not do a great job of turning the Suns over and they didn't do a good job boxing out. Right. Like, so like these are all, and they just let the Suns get into the paint. It's, it's, it was all just kind of a little too easy. And by the time they tightened up a bit in the fourth quarter, you get into nut crunching time and, you know, Booker is a killer in those situations. And, you know, like you mentioned, Jeff, you put yourself into kind of like the margin for error. And, uh, you know, look, to use a football analogy, this has been my argument with why, like, I just don't see the bills making the playoffs or anything this year. Cause it's like, yeah, there's a world where like, Oh, like they win today and then they beat Kansas city. And it's like, yeah, but like you fucked. And I don't feel bad for them because of bad luck entirely. Cause it's like, yeah, but like you lost to like, you know, all these stupid teams that you shouldn't have lost to because of stupid things where you pissed away two, three quarters of the game before you got going. And like the Knicks tonight, they pissed away an entire half. And to be honest, I think they pissed away two and a half quarters of the game, uh, which is what they did. I guess like the, the the last thing I'll say is I don't even, I didn't even think that all of the first half was bad. I didn't think the bench was necessarily great when they came in, but there was a definite difference in the intensity of the game, the effort they were playing with, how much they were getting stops. The rebounding improved a bit. Not, not a lot. The, the first half rebounding was just bad overall. So there's no getting around that. They, they they held par or held serve or whatever. Uh, when Quickly and Hart came out, they were both, I think, even or like small positives from a plus minus standpoint. And I think that was when like the shot quality luck was really exaggerated. There was a possession where Quickly created two wide open threes for Josh Hart and he missed both. And then RJ created an open three for Quickly and he missed. Like this was all in like a 30 second span. And then the Suns went back down the court and like one of those guys off the bench hit a contested three. Um, again, this, this sort of, um, this sort of variance occurs all the time. I'm not saying it's the reason the Knicks lost, but I do, uh, I'm emphasizing it to highlight your point that that bench unit, in spite of the things they couldn't control did well at the things they could control. And the overall process was better. Yeah. That's probably a good way of putting it. Um, Again, were they perfect? No. Like, I thought quickly had a taken transition in the second half. That Actually, that wasn't the first half, so we're talking about a different thing. But he did have a taken in the second half that I – no. No, yeah, it was second half that I didn't particularly like in transition. Um, the, one, like they, the, one where, the one where it looked like he got fouled in real time, but then you saw it from behind, and it was like, oh, no, he didn't get fouled. Like, he just I, got swatted. I did not see that replay. I think I was probably focused on how the Bills were going to lose the uh, football game at that point. But, like – yeah, it, it just they're they're like again, nobody played a perfect game. Everybody made mistakes. But like you like again, you got to control what you can control. And when you don't do that shit, you you this is what can happen to you. And um I think the most the most disappointing thing about this is like when you steal a game the way they stole a game against Miami, like it becomes irrelevant when you lose a game like this. Like you might as well have just lost the fucking Miami game and won this game. And it's like the same shit. Oh no, the in-season tournament. Who fucking cares about that, man? Really? Like I, it's cool to care about, but like, don't tell me, don't, don't act like that's, oh, they were just so into it. Cause it was the in-season tournament. 
I think they were into it because Miami Heat. I um I think that's such a great point, and I didn't mention it on the last post game, but I was upset with myself for not mentioning it. I was so sure that we got the best possible scenario against the Heat in the fact that we stole a win, and Tibbs got uh, Tibbs, who's this is something he's great at. Tibbs was going to get to be like, "Fuck is wrong with you guys? Like we didn't play well." And make sure that not only did we get the win, but we the Knicks played better going forward. And instead, it was kind of the opposite, um, which is very, very surprising from a Tom Thibodeau's coach team. I just want to – I have to give a shout-out to Big Chino. I don't necessarily agree with all of his points, but him just venting in the chat is like, I'm just get, I'm getting a lot of entertainment out of this. So this is <laughs> this is very funny to me. Shout-out uh, to Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Hawkeye 420 question. They've doubled a lot the past two games on defense. It seems to have barely worked. Is the eye test failing or did Tibbs fumble scheme wise? He does this against wings that he like thinks are really good. Like he, he does this against Jimmy. He does this against Booker. I don't know if it's good or not. I don't love it. And I, I don't think it's well executed. So to me, it feels like very obvious that it's not a thing that they are drilled on. And I had issues with this during the Miami series last year as well. Um, I, I don't, I don't have a strong feeling about this one or the other. I did not. I think there are certain possessions though, very explicitly that were really dumb times to do it. Like that double at the end of the third quarter was just so fucking stupid. I don't like, I, and I don't, and it's, it would be easier if I was like, man, um, what a stupid play by like quickly or Hart or DiVincenzo. But they did that throughout the game. So you have to assume that was like an actual thing they were doing. That was not guys just freelancing. Um, also, I just, I got to say this. <laughs> I totally forgot about this possession in the second half when they ran a pick and roll. Grimes was chasing Booker over but then Randall switched onto him. And so Grimes went back out to the guy, to whoever Randall's man was, but then Randall just decided to back off and not put his hands up. And Booker got a like easy walk in 18 footer. And then, and then Randall was like looking around super confused after. And it's like, dude, nobody knows what the fuck, like we're trying to figure out what the fuck you want to do on every possession. And then you want to act like we should have known. Like I, I just, I can't do it, man. I <laughs> that's I, I know exactly what possession you're talking about, too. It's just and the way you describe it, he really more than any player I think I've seen operates on the whim of the moment. There's no structure at all. And again, these things are defensible when it's going well. All of it's defensible when you're when you're providing all NBA offensive impact. I think it should be telling to people who are willing to hear this type of thing. I think it should be telling that multiple times Randall has had all NBA seasons and Knicks fans haven't even made it through an entire offseason without being like, are we sure? Like, are we sure he's the guy? That's there's no other player. There's no so if at his absolute best, his own fan base that watches him every single night isn't like, oh yeah, he's our guy. He needs to be our guy forever. It's just that type of impact is hard to replicate for multiple seasons. How are people going to feel? Of course, people are going to feel this way and this frustrated when it's not going well. I don't know. 
it it's just funny when people act like it's insane to feel this way about Julius. Oh, you guys don't appreciate him. Like, no, I can appreciate, I appreciate whatever two seasons of all NBA offensive level play that he gave us. I also don't need to turn my brain off and act like better players than Julius Randall have been traded. Okay. Like flat out better fucking players than Julius Randall have been traded. Better players than Julius Randall have been run out of town. Better players than Julius Randle have been criticized by their fan base and local media. And you know what? Our fucking dumbass, pathetic, dog shit local media won't ever criticize Julius Randle. They'll criticize everything and everybody else. They'll criticize Leon Rose because he doesn't talk to the media. They'll criticize fucking, I don't know, uh, the, the, the fan base because we don't support him through thick and thin. Which, by the way, is fucking suck a dick. All right? Like, this fan base has supported this team through everything and anything. Like, I don't want to hear about this fan base is a problem ever. Okay. This fan base has its own issues and there are very many crazy people in this fan base, but any issue that the franchise, the New York Knicks franchise has, has absolutely nothing to do with the fans. Not one. I don't want to hear about that ever. Okay. Uh, Also, if you think that is an issue, that's what the fucking money is for. Again, that is what the money is for. Oh, Julius Randall doesn't, Oh, the fans are so mean to him. He gets paid $21 million. Where the fuck he gets paid? $26, $27 million a year. I'm sorry. That might come with pressure and expectations. And you're in the public eye. That's just how it is. If that is too much for you, which is not a knock on anybody, that could be a lot for a lot of people. There are athletes that have talked about the pressure of getting to the best of them they had to end their careers early. That's not nothing. But like that isn't going to change. That is the nature of professional sports. And it is what it is. But, like, we have to be able to criticize people that are worth being criticized. And this idea that, like, it's universal criticism. Oh, you only criticize Randall because you don't like him. I don't like him. But I've also praised him, and I don't like him. I don't, I'm not the biggest Tom Thibodeau fan in the world. And I've spent most of the season being like, ah, eh, you know, I kind of feel like he's doing a pretty good job. And even tonight, like, I mean, we talked about this. I think it's just weird to kill him so much about, like, not holding Randall accountable when... I just don't know what the like actual way to do that is. And I'm not sure, like if you want an example of what could happen if you, Oh, holding Randall accountable. I think Luke Walton back when he was Lakers coach, not that Luke Walton's a very good coach, but like when Luke Walton was Lakers coach, he would pull Julius at various points in the fourth quarter. He, he stopped starting him, right? He start, he put him on the bench and that was like a huge issue. Like Randall, like kind of like mailed it in for a while after that. And this is my point is like, you can't, you can't just say, hold him accountable if you also can't tell me, well, how realistic is it going to be to, to like still be able to be a really good basketball team in this scenario? And is, is that something the front office, like really, like, I know we can act like contracts shouldn't matter and you just play who's earned the minutes, but come on, like that's just an untenable situation in a lot of ways. So you know, I just that that's that's the one thing I, I will always like. Yeah, I, I have a tough time killing Randall too much for that. When it was when Obi was here, it was probably a little bit easier to be like accountability, like have some you can put Obi in at the four. But like, I actually don't think it's tenable to have Hart at the four for like 35 minutes in a game beyond once or twice or you know, in one off situations. So it's, it's not, but 
there there is a middle ground here, or at least it's not as pol- uh, and so like you know you asked like what what can the Miami game the Miami game would have been a great time to just be like hey you don't have it tonight I'm closing with these guys right or or even a smaller sample size why wasn't the the lineup on the court when you know the Knicks tied the game why wasn't the lineup quickly Grimes Divincenzo or excuse me quickly Grimes R J Hart Mitch just that one possession just there you go is it the last defensive possession. Yeah, when Booker hit the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, just, just don't have Randall out there. You know, you know, this isn't what he's good especially at. Especially if you have, if you're, if you're pulling Brunson, you're tacitly admitting, oh, this guy is a, I have better defenders than him, which is not like, okay, yeah, we all know this. It's not an insult. Um, so if you can admit that about him, what does it say that you can't do? But like, what does it say about that? Like, I, because I really do believe if he pulls Randall there, Randall has a tantrum. I believe that. I don't think Randall's ego would be able to handle that. And that's kind of like, like it's easy to talk about. I'm not saying you're doing this, but like, I think it's easy for any of us to talk about X's and O's and holding people accountable and all this shit. But like managing egos and personalities is the much bigger part of NBA coaching than all this other shit. X's and O's and sets and cool after, after timeout plays and all that stuff. Like, if you if your players don't like you, if they don't buy into what you're selling, you're cooked. You're fucking cooked. It doesn't matter about any other shit. Um, and that's where I just again, like, I agree with you in principle, but we both know that Brunson will always handle that, even if he like is furious, right? Even if internally he's like, this is absolute fucking bullshit, he would handle that so much better than. That Julius said, like he got benched in the playoffs. Brunson basically got benched in the playoffs when he was with Dallas, and he didn't, you know, he didn't cry about it publicly and bitch about it and whatever. Like he was like, okay, fuck this, I need to get better so that I never get benched again in the playoffs. And he did get better, and he was awesome his last year in Dallas, and obviously last year. Um, I don't think Randall can handle shit like that. I just don't, and I think that's a really that's a main reason why I don't feel you can win. Like if you need to have your ego managed to that degree um then jesus christ the charges are a joke um but like if you, you think spoil, of your, you spoiled it for me sorry uh no, but your if your ego needs to be managed to that degree then you just need to be so much better as a player consistently like you then you need to be a top 15 unquestioned guy right or a top 10 unquestioned guy like if you're not then having to dance, like be walk around on eggshells around this guy because of his temperament is just, it's not tenable. I, I just don't see how it works. Yeah. Um, that was really unfortunate for me. That didn't have to happen. <laughs> what, you have the Chargers? Oh, wow. They don't count those as passing touchdowns anymore? Was that, a, oh, oh, you have a fantasy matchup? Yeah, I was up two facing Lamar. <laughs> but they counted as a rush. Oh, no, it was a handoff. It was a handoff. He didn't toss it. I just thought that when they do it in front, they st- – but, okay, cool. Um, they used to have a thing. Like, like Mahomes used to get lots of fake passing touchdowns off of just doing a handoff in front of him. That would count as a pass. But I guess they've done away with that. That's neat. Um, 
All right. Good shit. Um, sorry about that, folks. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we're on the same page here. It sucks. Um, I think I'm always I, – I, I think – I don't think I'm fully where you are in terms of like – like at the end of the day, I'm still going to wake up every day. I'm still rooting for him. But I do th- – and I'm not saying you're not rooting for him. I, I, I didn't mean to imply that, but I uh, – I, I just I just want him to prove what I think my my preconceived notion is wrong. Um and I I do agree with you that if he has to close every game, if he has to play the entire first and third quarter every game, because these are things that stars do and it hurts his ego to not do these things. I don't I don't know where you go from there because nobody like I I said earlier, Devin Booker came out halfway through, he was the only the only like NBA player in this game. I mean, no disrespect to Nurkic and Eric Gordon and Nas Little. They are obviously NBA players, but Booker was the star and Booker's coming out halfway through the first and he's open to these things. And I don't know. I just, something that hasn't given for four and a half seasons has to give with this guy. And I don't know why there would be any confidence that it's going to give or change. Did, did, Fizzle or Mike Miller ever bench Randall down the stretch of games? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. Uh, this is what I'm saying. I, I don't. You've got. Th- I, I'm almost positive Fizzle never because Fizzle never did anything proactive as a fucking coach. Um, I'm pretty sure Mike Miller didn't. And shout out Mike Miller, obviously, who did a good job as an interim. But like, that's three separate coaches. He had issues in LA and in New Orleans with stuff like that. Like, I just think you have a strong and forgetting that, like we've seen him be a whiny baby and temperamental at various points. Like, you know, like he, what was it? I mean, last year, his good season, right? He's fucking cursing out quickly because he's trying to take him away from the ref while he's yelling at the ref to avoid a technical, right? Like we've seen him have meltdowns. Do you remember that game against the Clippers last year? He has a meltdown at the end of the third quarter that like it cost us, free throws and like it was crazy it was like a one-point game that ended up being a, a four-point game going into the fourth because of this and we've and just the, the the sun's game where he got tossed in phoenix yeah 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 like he's had these meltdowns that are like i i just i don't know how to explain it but it's like they are not typical they are not they just are so immature is the best way to put it they're so immature and his immaturity is so palpable on a team like this now where I think the level of maturity, I'm not talking about necessarily like, Oh, all these guys are super heady, smart players, but like maturity in terms of just how these guys comport themselves, how these guys handle being coached by somebody like Tom Thibodeau, who can be, you know, very intense and whatever. When you compare that, to him, it just stands out a lot. It stands out quite a bit. And um, I don't know. I'm very much over it. I don't know. Do we? Yeah, this is the, this is probably the last thing to say. Um, this is from Big Chino. We have seen quickly RJ, Obi, and others bench for things. You know, so I don't get away with specifically defense turnovers. That is such a toxic approach. I agree with that. I'm also just very skeptical of like an approach of accountability working unless Julius Randle is gone. That's just me. Like, I just don't see him ever taking stuff like that well. 
and um i maybe i'm wrong and tibbs either does it or another coach comes in and does it and actually it has the desired results and i'll stand up and say i was wrong but i don't think they will i don't think that will happen and it's why a big reason why i think they need to move on from julius randall because he's just not good enough for that type of leash yeah i i i agree i i am going to start because i watch a ton of nba i am going to start paying attention more just to see what the and i know it's not exactly apples to apples because Julius Randle is the most volatile and um, yeah, volatile is just the best word I got. He's the most volatile player in the league. And when you have a volatile player and you're having one of his bad nights, there needs to be consequences for those bad nights or there's never going to be any change. But still, I'm going to pay attention and just see like, uh, do the Heat ever just say like, fuck it, like we're in a close game and Jimmy Butler doesn't have it tonight. We're going to go with Bam. Plus, like, are these things that could ever happen? You know, um, would would I, he I, ever? I, would, I mean, the the thing that makes it a difficult thing to track is like, how many star players in the NBA do you feel like are totally apathetic for stretches on defense the way Randall is? Like, the only guy that comes to mind, and I truly mean this, it's like when I say apathetic, I I mean like totally like standing on the floor without any care in the world um, and not even focused on it would be like Trey Young. Yeah. I mean, Zion. Sure. Zion. Okay. Um, well, like, and, at Towns. But I mean, I'm 100% sure that Finch has closed a game with Gobert and four shooters and Towns isn't one of them. I think yeah. Towns is like the best example probably. And Towns isn't as emotionally volatile as Randall is, but I am 100% sure that if you go back and watch since the start of last season, when healthy, Gobert and Towns have not closed 100% of games. I guarantee you one of, if not both of them, have sat the end of games when they just don't have it or when it's matchup dependent. And that's the other thing. That's that, You asked what Tibbs can do better. There, there are just matchups where you know his excuse of, well, we need Randall's size at the four. He's the only true four. There's matchups where that's not true. And the Heat game was a perfect example of it. They're playing Jimmy at the four and Bam at the five. I mean, Randall came back in and was on the court for that run at the end. He didn't help. He didn't do anything. The reason that, the reason he helped is because he didn't do anything. Right, because he, he stood off to the side. And that would have been a fine game to close with uh, R.J. Hart, Mitch, or excuse me, R.J. Hart, Hartenstein, uh, quickly Brunson. That would have been fine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like, to, like to, there's also ways to cut into his minutes without doing it at the end of a game, right? Like, you can pull him earlier in the first quarter. You can take him out, you know, put him back in later in the second quarter or change his rotations the way that Phoenix did with Booker tonight, right? Where you, like, pull him, put him back in at the end of the first, have him rest in between in the middle of the second, and then put him back in to close the second. Like, there are ways to do it um, that wouldn't be, you know, he probably wouldn't necessarily feel it the way he would if you're like, no, you're not closing this game, buddy, right? But we're not going to do that with Tibbs. So. I, I actually don't get why he doesn't pull Randall earlier in the first and third. Like, he clearly wants Brunson playing the entire quarter, most of the entire quarter. So wouldn't pulling Randall, you know, in between when he pulls RJ and when he pulls Brunson, wouldn't that um, – first of all, it would get – it would – get more lineup versatility, but also would get Randall back in the game earlier in the second and fourth quarter, which would, he, he doesn't like the not Brunson minutes 
you know, with quickly and RJ running the show, wouldn't having Randall back in earlier have one of your two quote unquote best players and offensive engines on the court, a higher percentage of the time. There seems to be a, a lot of redundancy in the Brunson Randall minutes, where if you staggered them a, them a little bit more, it could be better for Randall to have more minutes without Brunson. That that's possible. I'm not saying I know for sure, but it's possible. Um, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Um, I, I personally would not want that just because I hate when Randall plays those guys. Cause it just feels like he turns that into like the, Hey, let me just, let me, I, I'm the guy now. Let me just take over a segment of minutes. And to be fair, not to be fair to him, but I would like, like I need quickly to tell him to go fuck himself at some point. Like I need that to happen. And I don't mean like demonstrably go over to him and be like, go fuck yourself. But like, like when he's in those units with him, you don't need to just throw him the ball at the elbow because he wants it there. Tell him to go fucking clear outside. It's fine. Or just ignore him for all I care. Like him and RJ still defer to Julius way too much. And honestly, aside from Brunson, I think everyone in this team does. And that just needs to change because you're never going to be the best version of yourself. And honestly, he's not playing. He's not shooting well. So like, He's shooting well, fine. Fuck it. Let him take as many shots he wants. But he's not. So, like, recognize that you're actually being more efficient than him. And take more shots. The only thing I'd have to say to that is Randall makes it so hard to ignore him. Again, just his presence is so loud because I've never seen a player who loves blowing up an advantage or an action that the Knicks have going by just planting himself in the middle of it and refusing to move. There's well, another guy that used to do that, but he was a lot better than Julius. Uh, who? <laughs> Carmelo. Carmelo. Oh, sure. Oh, duh, duh. Um, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Um, but like, and and, and so this is kind of the perfect. And example. he won't move, by the way. He won't move. Oh, I know. Like, well, well, you have you have a great memory for this stuff. What was the game where Randall set the screen for quickly and then like didn't roll? He just like walked Cavs, forward. Yeah. That was the cat. It was like he he did he had a possession like that against Miami. I meant to clip it and I totally forgot. So you reminded me. Where he set the it was like down the stretch. He set the screen for Brunson and then he just like rolled down the lane while Brunson was like probing and he tripped him and Brunson fell and they turned the ball over. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? It was so oh my god. Sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. Uh, you keep going. That was, that's all I had to say is that I, I do think that your point about quickly, you know, just being like, Hey, get out of here. I've got this. Randall doesn't move. He he sits there with his, with the, his defender on his back and puts his arm up in the air and he calls for the ball. And he's, uh, aside from Brunson, I don't think he's moving for anybody. Yeah. All right. We've been doing this for two hours, 20 minutes. I'm sick of this. Um, uh, buddy, I just I have to respond to this because I'm sorry. This is such a stupid comment. Quickly, career 41% shooting, way below league average, 36% threes. League average is not worth 20 minutes off the bench. He gets that offer, say goodbye. Um, honestly, using career averages for a rising young player instead of the more recent averages, and you're using raw shooting percentages instead of true shooting or effective field goal percentage. You're not talking about defense at all. You're not talking about his impact on the team. Yeah, I'm, I'm good on on anything that you ever want to tell me about basketball. Um, and honestly, and I'll, 
he yeah. he leads the team in true or he's second on the team this year in true shooting percentage, which is pretty incredible. Um yeah, I mean he's only shooting uh Hart Hart Hartenstein is the only one. Dude, I, I, talk about a shocking, you know. I I mean obviously I agree with your response. I mean, that was a ridiculous comment. Um Mitchell Robinson's true shooting percentage this year is 54%. That's yeah. one of the most shocking things ever. And you made a great point the other day when you talked about, well, he gets a little bit unlucky with putbacks because he has multiple putbacks. And then, so the possession is still effective, but I mean, he, we're talking about someone going from 73% to 54%. Like, I don't know. I mean, the free throw shooting, Benji had a great post on Twitter today. He was just like, Mitch is great, but 35% from the free throw line is not helping. Yeah. Mitch has got to be better from the free throw line. Um, but his his drop in efficiency, it's almost inexplicable because his role hasn't changed at all. It's not like he's getting an increase in touches. I don't think it can just be explained away by a few offensive rebounds or putbacks where the ball doesn't go in. Um, yeah, it's just really surprising to see, especially when we all agree that Mitch has been really good to start. Yeah. Um Another great comment. His three-point percentage is about the same this year of basketball. He's shooting 37.5%. I don't know if you know how percentages work. 1.5% of basketball is a pretty big deal. Um, also, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, and you should probably just never listen to me anymore and hopefully block me on Twitter and unfollow me. Um, that would be really appreciated because I don't have any really – I don't respect anything you're saying. Um, all right. And anyway, that is uh, our show for today. Um, Jeff, anything that you wanted to add, close up on? Not really. See you Tuesday. Oh, well, I won't be there Tuesday because it's a Hornets game, or I'll be there late Tuesday because it's a Hornets game. But uh, yeah, I mean, the look, it, it had a chance to be really, really cool because again, Boston is they're thirteen and four. Orlando's won seven in a row. They're twelve and five. Milwaukee almost had an awful loss today, but they they eked it out. They're twelve and five. The Sixers haven't skipped a beat without Harden. Who saw that coming? Eleven and five. Uh, the Knicks, if they take care of business tonight, they're ten and six with two games against the Hornets and the Pistons. Chance to be twelve and six at the end of this. Uh, you know, headed into next weekend. And, and you know what? Eleven and seven is still okay. Like the, it's a lot. Eleven and seven is okay, but there's more pr- more pressure to go two and zero oh, in my opinion. Hundred yeah, percent. And um, you know, look, it's early in the season. But if you just if you extrapolated this across the season, uh, the Knicks would be like forty. I think they're like a four. They're basically on the same win pace that they were on last year, forty-seven wins. Um, would you take that right now? If you if I would I take that right now if you offered it to me? Probably because you win forty-seven games. I just don't see how you're not in the top six seed. But like to your point, there is pressure. There, this is a good East. There is depth here. Um, the Knicks can't afford to punt away. Uh, you know, bad. They can't afford to punt away too many games like this moving forward. Um, another real genius comment here from Nick Yak, who might be the dumbest fucking person ever commenting here. Um, so congrats on that. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't mean anything when you actually look at the shots he's taking and what his overall efficiency is. So maybe one day you'll figure that out about basketball. Good luck to you, sir. Um, or ma'am, whoever you are. I'm not sure. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, thanks for everybody that rocked with us, even Nick Yak. Um, and I uh, hope you guys have a great night. I hope you have a better night than I did watching the, the fucking Bills and the Jets and the Knicks piss themselves back, back, back to back. So, um, yeah. All right. 
that is a show for today. Uh, thanks to BetUS. I didn't read your fucking bet online. I didn't read your Mm-mm. advertising thing because I didn't really feel like it after this game. And um, I also did not do any of the Strickland um, stuff, <laughs> you know, which I'm not going to do now. But thanks again. Um, and um, yeah. All right. That's our show for today. Hope everybody has a great night and a great week and hopefully the Knicks have a better week than they did today. I will see you probably on Tuesday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.